0: Welcome to another episode of History of Westeros Podcast, a podcast dedicated to George R.R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series, as well as HBO's Game of Thrones. Today's episode is focused on the TV series, but it is going to be relating and comparing the two. So this episode does have spoilers for all the books. No spoilers for The Winds of Winter, however. If you're looking for discussion on the show without spoilers from the book, then you can check out our show discussion episode also on YouTube and iTunes.
1: That's right, we've taken a policy similar to last year but with more definition in the difference between spoilers and non-spoilers because the books and show are really diverging from each other. And it's uh, it's a whole new territory, whole new ground that we're all covering as fans, and really is a media experience. It's a really kind of unique thing. So we're we decided it was appropriate to cover the show and the books as separate entities. Of course, on this half of our episodic. Uh, endeavor, we'll call it. We are dealing, as, as Shea said, with book to show differences and comparisons. Now, we're not going to be negative about these differences, but we are going to highlight as many differences as we can find because it's fun to notice these differences. And sometimes we'll be critical of them. Sometimes we'll, we'll like the changes. It, it just... We'll play it by ear. Some of them are good, some of them are bad.
0: Yeah, none of us are purists, but we are all fans with a lot of experience, and we're going to catch things that we just can't point out in a regular TV discussion episode. TV fans a lot of times don't want to hear that. With uh, in the books, <laughs> this happens, this, you know. But anytime we notice a difference, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about it. Sometimes it will be a little negative. Sometimes you're disappointed, but largely for this episode, I was I was pretty happy with yeah, the changes.
1: I agree. I, I'm with you on that. We want to make honest criticisms about, uh, without just griping. You know, that's no fun. No one likes us to hear people griping. But there is some level of criticism that is appropriate for any kind of show review, regardless of how deep in the fandom we are. So that is our goal today. We're going to have a lot of fun with discussing the differences between book and show, using the books to predict the show, not using the show to predict the books, however. Now... We're also going to point out that because this is such a big topic, and I don't mean this episode, I mean the difference between books and show and how big that gap is becoming and how much bigger it's going to be by the time it's all said and done, we're planning a show passes book Support group. That's our l- loose title for it at this point. So that's going to be an episode, a standalone episode, where we're going to have special guests, and we're going to discuss all the different ramifications of the books being passed by HBO. We're also going to deal with some of the loose ends on the TV show, like, where the heck is Gendry? You know, mm-hmm. is he still rowing? Is his, are his arms the size of, uh, you know,
2: <laughs> Gregor actor playing Gregor? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Thor, Julius Bjornson. Wow. Uh, yeah, I remembered his name. So, but also to, so rather keep track of that. We're, we're, we're we 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 have not announced the date for this show passes book episode yet, but keep an eye out for that. The best way to do that is to follow us on Twitter at Westeros history or on Facebook history of Westeros on Facebook. You can also email us for updates, but generally that's, those are the best places to keep up with us. History of of course is the best way, but another important note before we get too deep into this material Something that's been on a lot of people's minds. A lot of you are aware that about half the season has already leaked onto pirate um, outlets. And we are not going to watch them. We want to preserve the integrity of these reviews by being able to digest them one at a time. And be able to discuss them honestly with you without pretending. Yeah, and in HD. Without pretending that we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's coming. So, and we want to keep it that way. We're all, we're avoiding spoilers. I'm not going on to some of the normal forums and online places that I go so I don't get spoiled. So we want to keep this. We want to be with you guys on this and not get ahead. So, also we want to make predictions and we can't, we can't make predictions if we already know what's coming. So that's no fun. This is uncharted territory for all of us. I think that some people have a little anxiety about what the show is going to reveal about the books. But I think there's a lot of positives on this as well, and I think that there's some opportunity to kind of put things in perspective. Um, one more positive note before we introduce our special guests You can see lurking in the corner there. Uh, one positive thing that I think is really positive about the show is that how many people have been brought together into the fandom. Now, even before the show came out, uh, Song of Ice and Fire was a bit abnormal in its ability to attract people from all types of fandoms. It's, It's... It's not just for fantasy fans. That's one of the things I really love about A Song of Ice and Fire. And the TV show, you got to give credit where credit's due, even if you're someone who isn't a big fan of the show and some of the changes. Let's be honest. Eight million to ten million copies of the book sold before the show ever came out. Now it's at forty-five million. That's a huge difference. We have to at least appreciate new people brought into the fandom because some of them end up being readers, some of them end up being major fans, some of them end up being podcasters. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know we're not included in that group, but that there are some really great material out there come from people that started with the show. So yeah, let's let's not uh, denigrate the that. Yeah, the positive I hate that so much. So many
0: people say, oh, they started with the show first. I'm like, who cares? Yeah, who cares at all?
1: A fan is a fan. If you yeah. get in if you read the series a bunch of times and put in the work with the, in the forums and learning mm-hmm. the material, mm-hmm. that you're as much a fan as anybody else. It doesn't matter how you get started. So with that in mind, I want to give a shout-out to a high-energy, hard rock <laughs> metal band that supported us, The Killing Ground, NYC, thanks, TJ, Uh, Happy to see you guys getting going up there if you're into that if you're into that style of music check them out the killing ground appreciate it. Thanks TJ. So let's get started. I want to introduce Yoke Boy from the excellent podcast History of uh, History of Westeros. <laughs> I do that so often when we guys are talking. I think of you guys as us, and us as you yes, guys. I call, I say, I say Radio Westeros. I meant to say History yeah. of Westeros. I or I say rather, I say History of Westeros when I mean to say Radio Westeros. We'll just combine. We're Radio yeah. History of Radio <laughs> of Westeros. <laughs> so hey, Yoke Boy, uh, good to see you. I'm sure some of you, some of you out there already are
2: familiar with your work. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, uh, I'm Yoke Boy from Radio Westeros, not History of Westeros, and um, <laughs> I'm really honoured to have been invited to uh, discuss Game of Thrones and The Song of Ice and Fire today, so look forward to the chat.
1: That's right. So, my favourite Radio Westeros episode, I think, is your Long Night episode. It's a tough call. You guys have a lot of good quality episodes there. Oh, thanks. And... I really like the discussion on Valerian Steel Blaze in there as well. That was really good. Some of that stuff I wanted to cover and you guys did it such a good job, uh, maybe we just won't bother. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, I'll no, just point people in your so. direction if they ask us. Like, yeah, just just listen to them on that. <laughs> Thanks. But
0: yeah, if you don't know much about Radio Westeros, they um, incorporate a lot of different music from uh, different fans. They have um, really nice readings. Best produced show. It's like, show. A, ra- it's, it's like it's a radio station, yeah. um, essentially. Um, it's
2: really unique. Yeah, that's what we go- We're going for a kind of radio format where you get your analysis and then you get some music from the fandom or a reading. Kind of break it up so to try and get the feeling of an old radio. And really,
1: and high quality theory and analysis as well mixed in with that. So it's it's, it's something for everybody. I've, I've heard different people comment on different things about what they like about Radio Westeros. And you hear a lot of different things about what people find to enjoy there. So great job. Um, check it out, folks, if you haven't. I know a lot of you already have. But if you haven't, <laughs> get on it. Yes. Now, Season 5, Episode 1. Real quick, an overview this, of course, being a discussion episode, we're going to touch on a lot of different things, and if you if you see us miss something or we skip, skip over something that you wanted us to address, just let us know, and we'll bring it up in the next episode. That's one of the great things about the TV show, as opposed to our episodic, high-research, uh, heavily-detailed uh, podcast, is that it's hard to go back and fix a mistake, but in the show, it's all kind of flowing together, so we can always back up just a little bit or jump ahead, so it's... It's a much more open. It's a much more forgiving format, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. Um, now, compare. I, I think a, the best comparison to this episode is the first episode of the entire show. It's a setup. You have a lot of things that are they're breaking new ground on new topics. You're they're starting some new arcs. Uh, part of that's because a lot of characters died off or, or <laughs> plot lines ended. So it's pretty exciting. That but but new arcs also mean new character development, which means the pacing is going to be a little different. It, it might mean Things aren't maybe as exciting, but it's still really interesting and subtle in a lot of ways. And there's some things that I didn't notice the first time I watched the episode, but we rewatched it, noticed some some new things. Go through the books, find some comparisons. Uh, but but before we get started, a piece of news that's interesting that I wanted to get both your opinions on is that some there's there's some rumors floating around that the show is thinking of expanding to ten seasons,
2: and there's also talk of maybe a movie. What do you guys think about that? Hmm. Well, as I understand it, George always wanted 10, <laughs> and I can't remember the guy's name, but the the, the HBO guy, not DD, the guy who hired d w- was in line with that, and obviously the show is doing very well, yeah. so, you, you know, it's a good money spinner, everyone's a winner, but, you know, d d must be getting tired, I think this mm-hmm. is 12 months a year for them, you know, working around the clock. I think there's only so long they can do, so it'll be interesting to see if there's a, there's a middle ground, perhaps, between those two.
1: Yeah, you're right about that. They work really hard. They, they basically are already probably working on the next season, even though this one's out right now. That you're, you're right. It's a, as much as people give them a hard time, they work really, really hard.
0: One of them said in an interview, they're like, this show's the reason why my child was born in Ireland. <laughs> 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 but, uh... <laughs>
1: That's funny. Okay, so let's get started here. The episode is divided into four major locations, and each location kind of has subplots, and we'll be touching on each one of them. King's Landing, Essos, The Veil, and The Wall. Uh, The Veil, we're not going to talk about the Winds of Winter spoilers. Uh, As some of you are aware, there is a new Elaine spoiler chapter that's been put out, and it's... We're not going to cover that today. We're working on it. We're working on an episode specifically dedicated to that. But we don't want to... some people want to avoid those spoilers, so we're not going to talk about it today. And that fits because, let's be honest, this Veil plot has just gotten started. It hasn't progressed. We're not fully aware of where the parallels will and won't be. So that, this, this is kind of a wait-and-see situation, but there's still plenty to analyze, that said. But we just don't need to get into the T-Wow stuff. Not yet, anyway. That might become a bit of a conundrum for us later, but we'll figure out something. So, I think this title, The Wars to Come, is a very good title. It's very apt. It describes the feel of this episode because, like I said, it's a setup. We're all getting prepared for not just the wars to come, but the conflicts, the struggles, and the mysteries, and all that. So, let's go to King's Landing. First thing in this episode, I think, is a perfect place to start. Maggie the Frog. Mm-hmm. The dream sequence, Cersei is remembering this memory. I actually think maybe this would have been more appropriate for just after Joffrey's death. But because, you know, with the whole golden shroud, your children, it references her children mm-hmm. dying. It seems like that would have been more appropriate than Tywin's death. But hey, that's not the show's fault. This is exactly how it comes off in the books as well. Mm-hmm. Partly because Cersei didn't have a point of view during the earlier books. so
0: well, yeah, I'm sure she was thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, she probably was. We just aren't aware of it. So... Yoke Boy, what is your thoughts? The first, we start with this quote of Cersei saying, you're not terrifying. And mm-hmm. there's a little more to that, isn't there?
2: Yeah, I think you suggested this could be a tongue-in-cheek reference to the actress being a bit too pretty. <laughs> <laughs> because in, in the books, Maggie the Frog is perhaps the ugliest woman. I'm not sure if everyone's aware of this, but if you if you put all the descriptions of her, it comes out in dribs and drabs. <laughs> She has got greenish skin, warts, yellow eyes. She's got a kind of bent back. She's got uh, pendulous teats, it says. (laughs) So George really went out of his way to make Maggie as ugly as possible, really to contrast with the very, you know, beautiful young Cersei. So the fact they kind of... Hotted Maggie up I don't know What do you think?
0: I I could see someone Making a good point In favor of it I I don't think She was pretty enough That they really Sexed her up though. You know Like She was still Kind of ugly She just wasn't Like insanely ugly Which They really could have Done really easily Like they have makeup They have special effects Makeup's way easier They could have used makeup And made her really ugly
1: Yeah she looked like To me she looked like An attractive woman Made to look ugly Not an ugly woman But that's
2: fine
0: to looked like she would just be, like, you know, at by the dock, waiting for someone yes. to mention me. I, like, I, just...
2: I, I think it was more interesting to have this, you know, haggard old woman who's really, really ugly making the prophecy about beauty to Cersei, who's very vain. I, I thought that was part of the dynamics, you know, when I read it. And I think some of that has been lost in That's the That's a very TV good show. point.
1: Yeah, they, that, that probably will go over the heads of a lot of people who wouldn't have been exposed to that concept. But once you say it, it makes a lot of sense.
0: That said, I did really like um, the meta element of Cersei saying, you know, you're not terrifying, you're boring. They said you had this, they said you looked like that. Um, I like that they threw that in there, even if they didn't actually make her ugly for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, so overall, I think it was a very good scene. They did a good job of it. These these are minor, fairly minor complaints. Mm -hmm. But there are some other differences, and these are worth pointing to. One quote directly from the books. We have heard that you can see into the morrow, said Melara. We just want to know what men we're going to marry. So that kind of puts a a, a perspective on why they went in the first place. They Mm -hmm. wanted to learn about who their husbands would be. Mm -hmm. And as Cersei in the book, as she's remembering this whole thing, she's sort of telling her old self... Listen to her, the queen would have cried if she still had her tongue. You still have time to flee. Mm -hmm. Run, you little fool. So Cersei is clearly regretting having done this so long ago.
0: I thought it was really interesting that they made Melara so hesitant and not willing to be going. Like, Cersei's dragging her along, um, you know, to see Maggie. It's
2: true. Well, in the books, there's three of them. And uh, Melara is willing to go with Cersei. But there's a third... I forget her name. Jane Farnham. Jane Farnham is the third. Jane Farnham, yeah. And she... In the TV show, the Malara character seems to be a kind of combination of... Malara and Jane, I think. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, we never actually get her name, and we never have her referred to by name. Um, people are just assuming. I don't know that, that there was a casting announcement that said this was Malara. But, uh, that well-
1: actually raises an interesting question, too. Um, the biggest thing, of course, that I know all, a lot of you are, are waiting for us to raise the question mm-hmm. of is, what is the deal with the Valencar? The Valencar is not mentioned. But as a Shea just alluded to, they didn't even name Malara, which begs the question... Have we seen the last of the stream sequence? Will there be more? Will there be a part 2 to Cersei's memories here? It's entirely possible. If not, then we're faced with no Valonqar, which is very interesting.
0: Spider on me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's for the blooper reel, right? It's behind me now. What do, what do you think, Yoke Boy? What uh, what would be the the consequences of not having the Valonqar and what do you think? What do you think there's a chance they'll bring it in later?
2: Well, it, if they didn't, and this is a big if really, if they didn't, it, it, <laughs> I'll carry on. If 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 they didn't bring it in, it leaves a lot more options. They can decide to dispose of Cersei however they want or not even kill Cersei. You know, that's in the realms of possibility too. So really, prophecy is something that D&D... You you know, by bringing prophecies, they're committing to a storyline... And they don't plan so far ahead as George, so I don't think they like to commit. So that's one argument why they might not bring it That's back. a
1: good point. As we'll see throughout this episode, there's a there's a couple of examples of things that they sort of committed to that they've maybe forgot about because huh. there's a, a few inconsistencies oh, yeah. yes.
2: that we'll, we'll catch on to some There's a certain later. gray joy that hasn't <laughs> been thrown off a bench <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <I've> been waiting <laughs> for <laughs> it. two years. It's going to be <laughs>
0: just a, a, too much. It's uh, too much of a running joke that they haven't. Prophe-
2: Prophecy is a double huh. double Sword for (laughs) Uh,
1: So it's possible the Valonqar is going to be named at some point. I like
0: to think that maybe they're leaving their possibilities open, but I think it would be real smart of them to have filmed a little bit extra so that they have the option. They had the actresses there, like those people are only going to get older. If they didn't film it then, they just don't have the option to do it, to have continuity.
2: But it did come out, it did come out in kind of dribs and drabs in the books. It wasn't, the Valenquas mentioned in Cersei First Feast chapter and isn't until I think her eighth when we get the story. So they might be capturing that exactly. spirit. So yeah. I guess we're thinking of all possibilities here. I, I would I'd really like to see the Valenqvar. I think the the dynamics with Tyrion are very interesting then. And I would like to see her call for Tyrion's head and kind of crack up and go insane <laughs> because of this, you know, as, as it's done in the book. But we'll see what they take. That's it. a
1: very good thing that you, uh, point that you raised there, which is that in A Feast for Crows... The Valonqar gets mentioned. Cersei thinks the name Valencar several times before it's explained. It's like two-thirds of the way mm. before the book, before the Maggie the Frog scene actually appears fully in her memory. And before that, it's just yeah.
2: context. You're like, well, what, is, who is, mm. what is this Valencar? What does that even mean? Yeah. And, f- and these slow reveals really show how important it is to the character. When there, whenever there's something like this, which is kind of drip-fed, it's always really important to the character. He does it again and again
1: yeah so we'll we'll have to see I, I I think there's a good chance that it comes up later mm-hmm. but i I don't think any of us would be surprised if it doesn't come up at all I so. wouldn't
0: be surprised It makes a lot of sense to me to be honest for them not to put something so overt um, it, so in se- this season it's, a, it's early for that. Um, if Cersei is going to die like let's say se- season seven that's seasons ahead you have to know that like TV show viewers they're going to hear Valonqar they're going to look the word up and they're going to see all these things and they're going to basically be spoiled. And they're right. not going
2: to know how to spell it. <laughs> 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 how do you spell Valencar I, I hesitate <laughs> I hesitate to uh, criticize the show on things that we, we haven't seen the full picture yet. And you've got this with Lady Stoneheart. That, you know, there's still a remote chance they will bring her back. So all this kind of wetting the bed that Stoneheart <laughs> isn't in it could all be for nothing. We really we haven't seen the full picture. It's the same with the but Here's car. an
1: example of how obscure it is in the first place. Here's the first mention. This is a quote from A Feast for Crows. I drank too much last night. These fears are only humors born of wine. I will be the one laughing come dusk. My children will be safe, Tommen's throne will be secure, and my twisted little Valancar will be short ahead and rotting. So it's cl- she's clearly pointing to Tyrion with that first quote as as calling him Valancar, but as we learn later, Valancar doesn't necessarily refer to Tyrion. And that butt might be too subtle of a mystery for TV. I can understand mm-hmm. that. Because we know as as book readers, the Valancar mystery is expanded to include several different people. In the show, this whole younger, more beautiful Really, kind of just points at two, maybe three people. And the most obvious one is Marjorie. And that's part of the way that the TV Mm. show presents it, because as soon as the scene is over, Cersei's walking up the stairs towards Tywin's uh, funeral service thing, and Marjorie gives her a look. And then later in the episode, Marjorie openly talks with her brother about getting Cersei out of the way. It's not stated that she's planning to kill her but that she's planning to at least get her out of the yeah. way which might mean it, kill. It's
2: making you think that she's prime suspect number one which kind of is the same in the books although you see through kind of Cersei's near madness in feast that you know it's probably a red herring, yeah. Marjorie.
1: It's very set up to be Marjorie, but but <clears throat> attentive readers will at least expand that, or and or watchers will expand that to in, at least include Daenerys as mm-hmm. a possibility. But there's some other possibilities too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sansa is some people consider Sansa an option, and you know Brienne even because she does, doesn't have to be a queen, like we said before. Brienne is the beauty, so younger, more beautiful. That's a that's a
2: good little mm-hmm. theory. Uh, twisting of the words George just came out and said to Entertainment Weekly that uh, prophecies have weasel quotes weasel wording so we want to pay really close attention like when she says the uh, the younger more beautiful she doesn't say younger more beautiful queens she says another Mm -hmm. so you know that could mean another person it's it's our interpretation that she's saying another queen, but she doesn't actually say another queen. So you've got to look out for things. Like like George said, weasel wording. Be on your guard. And it gets
1: worse with the show, because the show may not be as keyed in on how crucial the wording of some of these things are, and they may lose some of the meaning when they port it over from book to show and do their own version of it. So they may leave out some of the detail that we think leads to something, but they may still have that in there because they didn't realize that they were cutting that, <laughs> if that made any sense at all.
0: Yeah. Uh, I did want to get back to um, the, the uh, prophecy scene. Sure. Um, there was some stuff about that I didn't get the chance to talk about. Um, specifically, there was no, um, another point in the favor of there being a part two to that prophecy at some point is that you know, we don't get, the, we don't get um, anything with the well, um, which is you know, strongly... <laughs> uh but That's uh, true, yeah. we don't get that and um specifically Malara says uh, you know she says she's afraid of Cersei's father and Cersei says you don't need to be afraid of my father and that just like has such a dark implication to me that like you know like you need to be afraid of Wells and and me Cersei. <laughs> you know. Uh, That's a good point. It just seemed a little dark to mm-hmm. me um I'm not sure if that was just a shout out uh, that that's in the books, or if they maybe would be doing that. It's
1: it's it's a bit subtle. Some may have even missed it. Maybe we should clarify. Uh, in, in Malara, in the book, she's you know she's afraid that Maggie says your death is with us here, and what she means is that Cersei is going to be the one to kill you. It's <laughs> in, it's heavily implied that Cersei is the one to push Malara into the well. For the crime of having a crush on Jamie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is set. Oh, and also, not only the Jamie, but. Um, for asking if she's going to marry Jamie. Yeah. Malara knows about the prophecy, and Malara tells Cersei in the books that the best way to cancel a prophecy is for no one to talk about oh. it. Malara tells Cersei <laughs> that. So that could be another yeah. motive. Malara
1: basically tells Cersei, you should kill me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, yes, exactly.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's now, real
0: funny. Uh another thing about that young actress. Um uh, we didn't really talk about it very much, but she was real good at Cersei. She uh, was really good. She clearly I felt like studied Cersei's mannerisms. Um I, I yeah, I felt like she didn't just go into it blind. She I, was prepared. I, I, that's
1: a good another good reason to hope that the dream sequence continues yeah. to see a little more of that actress. Yeah,
0: L- Little Thrones. Lil' throne, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I liked Young Cersei. Um, one thing I really liked about it is that you know we Marcella has been recast, um, and we've seen what that actress, the new Marcella, is named Nell Tiger Free, and new Cersei is named Nell Williams, and they both look very similar. Um, it's yeah. kind of a funny little thing. She, Nell Williams does not look that much like Cersei though, because <laughs> Cersei has very dark thick eyebrows. So like, I guess young Cersei just learned to fill them mm. in or something. Uh, it's a pretty stark difference.
1: a Stark uh, difference?
0: <laughs> uh,
1: you see what I did there. Yes.
0: Um, but yeah, moving on past the prophecy. Well,
1: one, actually one oh. other thing about the prophecy, the show version of the prophecy, they kind of goofed a little bit. The, oh. Maggie said you'll the king will have 20 children and you'll have three. Yet you yoke boy, you pointed this out to us before we did this. Uh, before we got started here. Cersei has a black-haired baby in the first season that she tells the Catelyn she lost in in infancy. So mm-hmm. I, I I must
2: have I did see this on Westeros dot org forums. So whoever posted right on. that credit credit to you. Yes, good job, whoever. Thank uh, you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think maybe maybe uh, the only real explanation is that they messed up or Cersei was lying. Yeah,
1: it's possible Cersei was just lying to make Catelyn feel better. I don't know why Cersei would care about making Catelyn yeah. feel better, but. Cersei is, you know, she's a complicated person. She wanted she's not to make awful. it about her,
0: is what it was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she just wanted to get it. She wanted to not. Ca- she wanted to make sure no one was suspicious of her having uh-huh. something to do with Bran's death. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad theory actually. It, it fits. It may not be accurate, but it's at least uh, it's a way we can get past this error mm-hmm. <laughs> without considering it an error. You could
0: say her baby didn't count. It uh, didn't go, <laughs> live past a certain age. I don't know.
1: It was <laughs> it had Robert's hair of course it didn't count. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a product of incest. Mm-hmm. So let's move on slightly. We have Tywin's funeral with the creepy blue eye things there um, <laughs> and and Boy, you notice some uh, a little coincidence there about this this recurring theme of Cersei and Jamie and, and Yeah, this
2: is the third time that Jamie and Cersei have been in an important moment in a kind of funeral scene with those weird gobbly eyes that you, <laughs> it's like something you get from a joke <laughs> shop because it, i think in the very first episode you see them kind of plotting around yeah. jo, john aaron's body right yes right. and then you see see the you know the controversial scene with joff and now now with tywin so it's weird this kind of recurring thing yeah it's them you talking know, around bodies <laughs>
0: i don't remember any of the other eyes ever being so blue as tywin's eyes were his, his eye stones. He's a blue-eyed his, boy. Yes, yeah, <laughs> eye stones. I, it was definitely um, a little goofy, but I kind of liked it a lot because we don't have, um, at least not as of yet, maybe it'll still be touched on. His body is still, you know, sitting there, but we don't have right. the rotting, the, the terrible smell of Tywin, which was just like kind of, a, a smack in the face to his legacy. Yeah. And these googly eyes... It was a eyes. kind of
2: little co- comedy, comedy poke.
0: Yeah, and so these googly eyes are Tywin,
1: to so. me. Yeah and, yeah, and it also okay. fed some theories about, you know, why is his body, <laughs> like, decomposing? Why does it smell? Maybe people were thinking maybe oberon was poisoning him. I'm not against the yeah. idea of Oberyn poisoning him, but I don't buy it because... He was going about his revenge in another way. He clearly was. He wanted to see Tywin suffer, and well, I mean, Poison would be suffering, but he wanted to bring him down in the eyes of everybody else. So, Poison wouldn't accomplish that. However, I can't say the theory is is bunk. I just I'm not a I don't I'm not bought into it. Hmm. Uh, George has also shown that he doesn't always get deeply scientific with how these things work. He will let things work the way they work in his world like genetics he's his genetics work magic there's magic in them they don't work like real world genetics for all we know the way bodies rot in his world's a little different too (laughs) the the microorganisms might be different
2: (laughs) it was it was very it was you know very pronounced the way it said the body stank you know it, it did there was something the first time I read it I thought there's something weird about this that doesn't quite so I guess that's why the theory is appealing because it did seem like they mentioned the body stinking quite a lot, you know. Yeah,
1: it was brought up a lot, you're right, like yeah.
2: Tommen was talking about it and and you know, Marjorie's
1: with her ro- keeping one rose to be able to keep the smell back and Cersei mm. noticed that as used that as a as a hint that Marjorie was kind of clever.
2: I think one of the poisons that that uh, Pycelle mentions at Tyrion's trial, you know, affects the kind of bowels and that kind of thing. So, so I, th- I think that's yeah. what the theory is implying that it was that kind of poison. I can't remember which. Tyrion even it was. used that on Tyrion
1: even used it on Cersei. He used a small dose of it on Cersei during Clash of Kings, if you recall. Right, where she was, he kept her on the privy for a while, (laughs) and uh, yeah, so yeah, this is I guess larger doses would stop somebody up for good. Yeah, definitely, and I think that that's a good point to raise because why was why was that described so
2: thoroughly? Yeah, that's that's the only poison Pycelle actually describes. He gives a list of poisons, okay, at at Tyrion's trial, and I think that's the only one that he actually. Says what it does. So it, it does. Right. There's some suspicion there. That's a good point.
1: Okay, so moving on. Um, the next scene is we're still basically involved with Tywin's body here, but we have. Lancel, the newly religious, and
0: before we have that, we have the very important scene. Two very important shots. One with Loris just talking, talking, talking. He was a force. He was a.
2: It was a force
0: of nature. It was like he was like a force. He like says it. <laughs> yes. I love that. Him. He's like trying very hard to be very serious. Yeah. And then we have Cersei. You know, she's depressed. Really. Um, it's funny. You know, you you, you laugh at Cersei and the things she's doing, how imperious she's being. But you know that she's really just kind of. Floating above it all. I, I'm sure it was really horrible. Um, but Picel comes up and talks to her. And she just walks past him. Doesn't what? say a single word.
1: Tyrell's really just become a laughing
0: Yeah. It's, he's he totally,
1: it's a different kind of thing.
2: And he is the biggest toady. <laughs> the biggest Lannister toady. Yeah. You can't be feeling great. He's a
0: doddering old fool.
2: They just, yeah. They
1: like, they've been, they've kind of made a pattern of making fun of him. Having him, Tyra just interrupts him when he's announcing the, the, the duel of the Red Viper and the mountain. And now yeah. we have this. It's just, and we
0: have him with the, the young girl.
2: Yeah, how he's just a, and yeah. His beard just, cut. They've really just made him a, well, a
1: caricature.
2: In, in, in the book, as he loses favor, Kyburn gains favor. So perhaps they're paving the way for for this yeah. to happen. As yeah. Pycelle falls out of out of Lannister status, Cersei goes. Uh, and I think the key moment is when she goes about the prophecy to both of them. And Pycelle says, yeah, you shouldn't be doing anything." Yeah. And and Kyburn actually gives her uh, the advice she wants to hear. So it, you, you know, it is tied in with Cersei's arc this season.
1: Yeah, I, I was re-listening to some of that just uh, over the last 48 hours re-listening to some of Cersei's early chapters in Feast because that's where some of this action is and I wanted to get, get a better sense of where some of these comparisons are. I definitely noticed that same thing. She's, the scene with Kyburn and she's really weighing him, she's really judging him and she's basically comparing him to Pycelle. That's her her kind of point of, of comparison. She says, well, he's not like Pycelle. At first she's like, oh, is this guy just like Pycelle? And then by the end of the
2: conversation she's like... He's clearly not like Pysell. <laughs> and that's a good thing. <laughs> so, But she's yeah. also... That's it. And Qyburn, Qyburn, she just grows and grows and grows. And like I said, see, he seals their kind of friendship mm-hmm. with the adv- advice he gives about the prophecy, which we can talk about. And
1: he uh, is, is clearly helping her. He's also showing her, telling her what she wants to hear about the, the Tyrells, where he brings her the coin, the, the coin mm-hmm. from the Reach that mm-hmm. was obviously planted by <laughs> Varys, Rugen, the jailer. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> and they see this as evidence that the bribe of Rugen was from, came from Highgarden. So, she, you know, i mm-hmm. um, implicating the Queen of Thorns. Very... Cersei just being led by the nose here, being saying, look, look at this clue, Cersei. No, that's, that's yeah. not a clue. Cersei
0: really and Kybern. Cool. Huh? Yeah,
1: and Kyburn. Yeah, he's fooled by it too.
0: But then we have, um, after Cersei mm. interacts with uh, them, we have uh, Lancel is introduced. Um, he's got a whole new look. Yeah. very inappropriate for a wake. yeah like,
2: he looked different yeah he looked Who very even different he him. a deep
0: v-neck which again I, you should never wear that to a funeral it's <laughs> just my thought it's inappropriate especially for someone who's showing themselves to be religious but yeah he's got the shorter hair he doesn't have his dutch boy wig anymore um, infinitely better
2: yes yeah in the books Lancel nearly dies what happens he takes the the wound from Blackwater and Cersei palms it, which makes it worse. Not does she do that. She leaves him for dead. It's it's actually Sansa who gets into a maester. I think it's Maester Franken. I'm not sure. Um, and then he there's a scene where he's kind of on his deathbed and Cersei's there. I think she's wondering if he's, you know, about his secrets that he's holding. And yeah. wondering yeah. what she's going to do with him. And, and then he returns he's he's very frail and he's got kind of white hair and he's religious so they they cha- they kept the essence of changing his look but he he was more kind of bigger and stronger and he had black hair instead of white yeah. hair so they changed his look but in a different way here <laughs> yeah he he doesn't look it's it's similar that they in in like you
1: say it's similar in that they've changed his look a lot but it's a much different type of change in it'd the be book.
0: real hard to do the other change yes because it'd be real hard to
1: make that guy look old and frail yeah, and white haired to make him
0: look old and then plus like people are gonna think that's really weird like just change like they didn't even do that for Theon and Theon should have even more changes and he doesn't look like yeah. that crazy
1: it's already hard enough for them to remember who he is since he hasn't appeared in several seasons yeah. so it's
2: yeah they don't want to yeah. change him too much but i I, I guess the the crucial the crucial similarity is that he's changed internally i think you know they've kind of denoted the change in appearance but that's really you know related to his internal changes which he immediately shows in the tv show
1: yeah it's um it's definitely it's true and Lancel, his conversion to the faith is a bit of a a bellwether to what's going to be coming to what comes in the books as well as we see that cersei kind of enables the faith to arm again which is a huge mistake and I, I think we're going to see some version of that this season we know that the high septon is going to become a big part of things uh, there's going to be you know we see some of the things from the trailer about the the, the, the faith clearly is more powerful than they were and that's obviously going to be a big part of the season we don't know whether the how much the books will parallel the show now but I'm looking forward to seeing it I'm really looking forward to seeing Jonathan Price as the high septon mm-hmm. that's going to be great um, but but importantly, here Cersei basically kind of disowns some of the secrets that that Lancel tries to bring up, which is kind of Good funny because there's no Varys to listen, but yeah. she doesn't necessarily know that, and she also maybe is just denying that these things happen. That's yeah. you know, she's sort of she's sort of like that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. What do you guys think?
0: I think. What, what, what's she gonna say? Mm. You're right, Lancel. you so I, I t- we did do that together. No, she's just gonna of course like it seems to me like there's no option but for her to just keep denying it. They're in a public place, even more importantly. But even if they were in her in a very private place, I feel like she would not acknowledge him.
1: Yeah. In the book, it's, a sh- it's shades of similarity there, where she he kind of almost says it in public. She, she says, "Your grace knows that I love," and she interrupts him and says, "House Lannister, yes, I know. <laughs> we <laughs> all do." <you> know? <laughs> Instead of saying, "You know, I love you" or whatever. Uh-huh. So, so but Lancel is a bit of a loose end. for Yeah, her. I feel like
0: I, I, maybe Cersei feels strongly enough about kinslaying that she wouldn't be able to hire someone. I feel like she's able to do some some mental gymnastics enough that she could bear, that she could be fine like that she would be fine with like hiring some sellsword to kill him.
1: Yeah, I don't think she cares about it herself. She doesn't want yeah. anyone to know about yeah. it. Yeah, because she's obviously willing to kill Tyrion. And yeah,
0: that's, that's that's oh yeah great. That's point. even she's more. Very that's even closer. Too. Although Tyrion, yeah. he doesn't.
1: Although she's yeah. basically outright stated that he's he's not our family anymore. Yeah, that's that's, that's part.
0: That's the <laughs> mental gymnastics, I suppose she does. Yeah, um, that's true to justify it.
1: But in any case, that's a problem for her. Lancel is, you know, as part of a lot of times what happens when somebody becomes all religious is they want to spill their secrets. They don't want to hold on to these secrets anymore. And she's got, he's got some big secrets. So it remains to be seen if he's going to come out with any of those, if he's going to spill them. Because that's what happens in the book. Cersei gets found out about her, about sleeping with him and about some of the things that she did, the, the whole regicide and all that. So
2: I like the portrayal that, you know, she's underestimating these things. She's. Oh, it's kind of Lancel, whatever. I can outsmart him. He's not powerful. I don't know what's going through her head. But I think the betrayal is good where she's, yeah, just kind of being very dismissive about these looming threats that other people, like Kevin, grimaces when she's being very dismissive. He's obviously a bit more wise so we'll have to see what happens and we know from the books what happens with the high sparrows <laughs> yeah that's good yeah we wonder only wonder if it's going to be that bad
1: for cersei or if it'll i'm sure it'll i'm sure there'll be some differences we'll we'll just have to wait and see if there'll be big differences or small differences or or a little of both so let's move on but this is, this is another related topic and in this in a nearby location we have the scene with loris and olivar olivar of course is the uh brothel guy that i guess he took Roz's place maybe I mean, little finger he's kind of a little
0: prostitute i don't know
1: <laughs> he's uh, he's a yeah. he's sort of an active uh, he's sort yeah. of a, a lieutenant <laughs> I
0: what loris thought about him and oberon
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> did, he, did he sleep with Oberyn? Yeah, he, he wasn't yeah, on he the menu. He wasn't on the menu, but, but Oberyn said yes Oberyn. you are. <laughs> um,
0: so I, I wonder if they, talked about, they were talking about Doran right there. <laughs>
1: now here's where we come into a difference that's a bit subtle. This is something that people might have missed because it's such a part of our world already, a part of the real world, is that it's people considering homosexuality a sin. Well, so it's easy for the show to just throw that in there, and people not to notice. But it's never said in the books that that's a sin in the eyes of the faith. It's certainly looked down on by a few people. It's used as a the way degenerate. to denigrate people yeah. like the Red Viper and and Renly. But it isn't ever stated to be like sinful. It's just a little weird, you know, to the, to these people's minds. Mm-hmm. And so I think the show just kind of tried to. Capitalize on people's modern sensibilities, and that's a little. I kind of, I'm a little annoyed by that. I, I don't yeah. think that.
0: I'm, I'm more annoyed by this by Loris just being over in because it's a that's a big change in character from the books where Loris, you know, he even he says when asked, but when asked, he says that when the sun is set, no candle can replace it, and he's just desolate about the death. And this, he he doesn't think about it, doesn't really talk about it. He is having sex, so. I guess he doesn't. He. I guess the candles can replace it.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't. But... He, and he's also just doesn't
2: care. He's nonchalant about who knows. Yeah. And Marjorie. Margaery... Yeah, like Cersei, isn't it? It's a similar. There's the, the scenes are back to back, and you see Cersei kind of dismissing. The threat, of the high sparrow, and then M- Marjorie says something to him about, you know, do you want to be more discreet? And he's he's just not bothered. He, he's the same dismissive attitude as Cersei. So a few hints at what's to come. I yeah, think. I think
1: they're both they're both underestimating Faith, and I think it's but are both going to be bitten in the butt by that, it seems like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so we'll just have to see where that goes. That could yeah. be very interesting. Of course, one of the main differences here is anything that threatens Loras is a, has much bigger ramifications for the Tyrells as a dynasty mm-hmm. because there's no Garland and there's no Willis. Yeah. They don't have another male heir. So that just, I, I have no idea how the show is going to handle that. So, George has said they're going to have a problem with that.
0: Yeah, its and it feels like when he said they were going to have a problem with it, he wasn't even talking about if they kill Loras off or if they do so-and-so with Loras. He just meant because of things he's doing in the books. So yeah. it sounds like they're going to have another problem. It, it makes me not so worried about Loras. I can't, I, it'd be weird for them to just be like, okay, Tyrell's have no heir, Marjorie's child, or, or some Tyrell cousin's going in here don't even touch on it it's just it, do, it, it makes me feel like Loras is plot armor in a sense um, otherwise they have no heir
1: maybe this is their way of getting him into the Kingsguard I don't see how it would do that, but same. if he's like, I swear, you know, like I swear to not, you know, like I'll not, I don't know. That maybe that's just a weird I swear idea. not
0: to sleep with women
1: <laughs> or men. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, be a proper chaste Kingsguard. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's the other big difference here,
0: though, are not difference, but um, interesting thing is uh, Marjorie implying that she has some sort of plan to deal with Cersei. Um, she yeah. says, you know, Laura says that that uh, you'll have to live. How are you going to live with Cersei here as your mother by law? What are you going to do? And you, you don't. Have anything you'd do about that. And she says, perhaps. And he says, perhaps? Perhaps. You yeah, know, so she she's, very sly. she's plotting.
1: And that, that, I like that. See, this is one of the things about the episode that I really liked. It's really subtle. There's a, a lot of things were accomplished in that scene even though it's hard to see where a lot of them are going. And they could end up going places we don't like but I, I'm, I'm more optimistic than that but it, it's a fair possibility. But you've got a lot of subtleties there. You've got The the reference to the double reference to Marjorie talking about getting rid of Cersei as as a point of intrigue and as a reference to the Maggie the Frog plot, and you've got this double plot with the Cersei and Loras both being nonchalant about the faith, and that whole thing building up. So I I think that's pretty well done. There's a lot of subtleties here. A
0: a classic case of Game Mm -hmm. of Thrones sex position.
1: (laughs) uh... Yes, things important things happening uh, around sex.
0: Yes, nudity. (laughs) This time, this time with men. This episode had a theme of male nudity. It
1: did.
2: It There's, definitely did. More male nudity than female, it did. by far. <laughs> I watched it with my mother. And my <laughs> mother. It was, it was uh, excellent. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. sure she appreciated that more than the typical Game of Thrones episode.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think she did. <laughs>
1: okay, so let's leave King's Landing and head over to Essos. Uh, yeah. We'll start with yeah. Tyrion and Vars. Take us about a day Mars.
0: on Game of Thrones time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Tyrion and Varys, differences in how... There's some major differences here. Obviously, Illyrio seems to have been kind of shoved out of the picture.
2: Yeah.
1: Not only... In a kind of a funny way, Varys is wearing Illyrio's clothing. <laughs> and, and they're all having this conversation in Illyrio's mansion. Yeah, he just
0: arrives. He's <laughs> like, Illyrio, are you here? No, yeah, like, let me just ruffle in your toys, yeah, just, get yes. some
1: clothes. You guys, you guys go ahead without me. I'm busy yeah. eating. I guess. <laughs> I, I'm curious
0: if it was a case of Illyrio wasn't available... If the Game of Thrones, If Game of just didn't want to go to the trouble of getting him, if they just wanted to focus on Tyrion and Varys, I'm am curious why they did it. There's a lot of great reasons not to have Illyrio, but I I I, I I'm I'm curious.
1: Now this this comes this this brings up a couple uh, a fear that we have. Ashea came up with the theory mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense and it makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> and why don't you go ahead and oh, and, and spill Well,
0: it. Um, specifically without without Aegon, without fake Aegon, Fagon, um that's Who that's
1: don't think it's gonna be in the show. He might yeah, be but he
0: might be in the show. It doesn't seem like he's in the show. Varys gave no inclination that he is supporting him. Um and that's Varys' main motivation. His motivation with Aegon in the mix makes perfect sense to me. You know, he he had this plan all along. He didn't need to focus on raising Viserys and Daenerys to be, you know, good kings or queens. Mm-hmm. So in the show, if he didn't ra- if he didn't you know, he didn't have anything to do with them, it seems implied that as he said, him and Illyria met during Robert's Rebellion, which is a huge difference from them having met when they were both young um, and having known each other for so many years um, and plotting together. It seems in this case they met via Robert Baratheon, uh, I'm, you know, when he was uh, king, and maybe even pretty close to when they actually spoke in the in the crypts down there. And that Arya heard. It seems to me like they must have spoken very close, like. They must have sh- become, you know, uh, partners in crime pretty quick. You know, not like at the beginning of Robert's reign, it's reign it seems like to me. But without without some plan and, and without, with his motivations don't exactly line up. He tried to kill Daenerys. Uh, if that's his plan all along, what, you know, so, why be part of that?
1: So there's two things here with that. Now, it's possible that... Varys is lying to Tyrion and he's setting Daenerys up as the important one because that's exactly what happens in the books. Illyrio does that. He, he tries to tell Tyrion that Daenerys is the one, but it's really Phagon. So he says that he get, basically gives a similar line. He says, uh, when Varys says, who said anything about her or him? Uh, obviously, uh, there's a similar line in the book's. That that is steering it towards a female, and mm-hmm. but really he's hiding the truth that it's really Fagon behind. So that still could happen. But in then the we show. have
0: in the show, in the trailer, it seems we see Tyrion at the fighting pits. Right. We see so, him there. We do not see Varys there, um, which to me seems that they clearly get separated along the road. But.
1: Well, here's the with, sad part.
0: With Varys, without a, an Aegon plot, he doesn't really have a, a set a set goal. He doesn't have as much of a purpose. He has motivations that will be in question. It's easier just to kill him off, like on the road there. Um, but he could he could just get separated from Tyrion. Dora could kidnap him. Now, that's what happens in the books. Dora kidnaps him. It makes perfect sense to just have them separate. Separate, and then Varys comes back you know next next season or we see him later i hope that's the case but i mean there's just a lot of loose ends with varis's plot line it just it, killing it, him
1: would allow them to yeah. not have to deal with those loose yeah, ends yeah he
0: was we're doing it for the realm the end of story don't don't look into it but
1: uh, and as an advisor to daenerys he's redundant because that's what tyrion seems to be doing that seems to be his job why does, why does daenerys need two New advisors,
2: yeah, they're, and they're both they're both set up to be players, you know. So, like you say, why well, have them both? And we we know that they've got a budget and they have to cut people out, so they they need p- characters that are have got a distinct role. And uh, I I think I think that he'll show up later. I think that I hope he, so. <laughs> I, I think he'll do a similar thing. He'll he'll pop up in King's Landing later. But um it's definitely worth thinking about Ash's idea that perhaps he is yeah. disposable now. I mean if if they are doing seven seasons, they're gonna keep cutting characters as the only way they can do it. Yeah. Here,
1: here's another interesting possibility that if var if he doesn't get killed off, especially if he makes it to Marine, we get some interesting eunuch on eunuch. We get to see Daenerys already has you no, know, she's already knows that a eunuch is, you know, perfectly capable of being uh, you know, a full person, in, so huh. to speak, and to be, you know, she's not going to look down on such a person. And we might get to see Grey Worm and Varus interact on mm-hmm. something on such a topic. That might be kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. Something that certainly I don't see happening in the books anytime soon. That's yeah. something that show might be able <laughs> to do that would be a little different.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: so yeah. let's hope that we're wrong on that theory. I don't want to see Varus die, but yeah, I don't if, see him
0: die. But if I he do... does,
1: you heard it here first. Yeah. I job, do think Shaya. it
0: would be really um terribly ironic and ev- everything about it if if like we see that shot of Tyrion seeing the dragon. I I I really don't think this is ever going to happen, but it just cracks me up to think about it. If like they're almost to marine, Tyrion and Varys, Drogon flies up and just roasts Varys.
1: That's <laughs> oh, that's man. his that's
0: his death. He's coming to be go be put the so Dragon rough. Queen in power. But uh <laughs> that's uh uh
1: so this is a good pivot point. We talk about um, the, the differences here, and we talk about the the eunuch angle. And that brings us to the taking down of the harpy statue, the giant harpy, which is a... a, a uh, Yoko, well, you noticed a little bit of a parallel there. This, these new characters that are introduced in the show who look a little different in the books, the sons of the harpy. It's a bit of a the, the showrunners did something a little clever um, with their com- with their combining. Yeah, I
2: think so. You, they've got you got this wonderful shot of the harpy, you know, like Hollywood blockbuster shot, which I, I thought was yeah, great. that was cool. The harpy co- coming down, being pulled down. Then I think it's in the next scene you see the bronze masks. Well, the harpy's made of bronze, and it's a woman's face, and these masks. Look, I'd have to see it again, but I think that's what they're getting at. The har the bronze harpy comes down, and then bronze sons of the harpy come up. A bit like the Hydra, you cut one <laughs> down, and all of a sudden you've got bronze faces everywhere. You know, w- which really c- captures the the spirit from the books of what the sons of the harpy are all about. Yeah, they're
1: they're they're a- definitely a shadow group. They don't seem to have. Uh, the leader, if there's one leader, it's unknown. Yeah. The, the whole, who is the harpy, is a big question from the books. So we won't get into that here. I think
0: they should go all out and have harpy costumes. Do they have, like, the bronze breasts <laughs> on their chest? Just plates that'll protect them, see?
1: <laughs> We're already going to see nipples on a breastplate later yeah, in the season. That is, we are
0: going to see that. I want
1: some bronze wings <laughs> so they can stay <laughs> inconspicuous. <laughs> 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 yes. So so of course the, the the clever one of the clever things I, I was referring to, besides the cleverness of having the masks look like the big harpy, which is pretty cool, is that they basically cut the brazen beast from the show. And the brazen beast, remember, are the new city guard that Daenerys and the Shave Pate form as sort of a police force, kind of a militia slash police force. And the reason they wear the masks in the books is because being on Daenerys' side marks you as you know, an enemy of this of the old guard and people who are helping Daenerys are subject to murders and you know and having horrible things happen to them because these are the, the Danny's supporters are getting targeted, along with her Unsullied and all these other ones. So they got rid of them. They got they got rid of them of that for the show, but they wanted to keep the cool idea of those masks and they changed it from these animals to the looking like the harpy. I, I, good job showing I think that's pretty clever. I like that idea. I like yeah. that change.
2: Yeah, I, I like it when they recycle ideas. Like, they can't have everything like for like, but I, I like it when they, you know, use their imagination and recycle an idea or a bit of something remind you of the books. I, I think that they should do that. Yeah. They've done it there, so it's good. Yeah, it's kind of that, like an homage.
0: Yeah, I thought the, the I really liked the mask. It gave me, it finally gave them a little more of a flavor, a Slaver's Bay flavor. Like, my one of the, the biggest things I miss from the books is just the flamboyancy of some of the clothing and hairstyles. in <laughs> bravosi for, to you know to Tyrashi to Miranese, they sure. have the the crazy like sculpted hairs and, the horns, like, and, the and horns and the horns and the, yeah. the, the yeah. Dario and his hair and you know there's just so many. It's just call it more colorful and they're trying to make it a grimmer, more realistic world. I get that that that's the tone of the show, but I sure would love to see a very fantastical looking, like, colorful show.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, point. and uh, let's, so was, the way this is introduced to us, of course, is through this character who in the show is White Rat, and in the books he's Stalwart Shield, and you know, Boy, you caught the reasoning behind that name change. It seems like a minor thing, and it is, but yeah. it's got a, it's, there's a, there's a neat little a reason behind
2: it. Yeah, well, in the show, you see Grey Worm saying, you know, I'm going to stay Grey Worm because this is the day I was liberated by queen Daenerys, but it's never established that the other unsullied have chosen different names in the books this happens but the other unsullied have take names for weapons and other weird things that's why you get stalwart shield they usually put two words together and often it's a weapon but that's never established on the tv show so it'd be very confusing if you had this gray worm who's you know taken his vermin name that he, he gives a little speech about, but you know, you you're never given an explanation why they change. So that must be it. So, so he's Wait, White Rat. White Rat. That. That's,
1: that's good. Vermin yeah, name. White Rat. Vermin I... name. And he, of course, uh, I also, the other, to reference something you said a minute ago, Shay, I also think those masks are kind of frightening. They're a little they spooky. Are fri-
0: they are spooky. So They're they definitely kind of the frightening. I have to say, um, i w we saw the first episode um in theaters they they did like a screening here in Atlanta, so we saw it a little early on the big screen and I was I guess lulled into a sense of security mm-hmm. or I just wasn't thinking i I'm not sure like I know what happens in the books, but I was like. The, the song, the lullaby, lulled me into a sense of security, I guess. But I was like, when when the, when he appears over him and slits his throat, it was definitely like jolted me a little bit. Yeah. I wasn't like, I wasn't expecting it to happen right there, and the mask was just like.
1: Bam. Maybe I'm just cynical because I yeah. saw that coming. When you're like, yeah. when, the, when the throat is the center of yeah. the screen, I'm like, oh, God. I
0: usually think I, I <laughs> would see it coming, but I honestly didn't. I, I, It has to just be like the environment I was in or something. I was just enjoying myself. Yeah, we
1: were surrounded by 4,600 other rabid Game of Thrones fans yeah. who, were, who had been sitting for an hour waiting for it to start, and it was the first, one of the first things we see. So yeah. <laughs> Now there's another interesting parallel here. The, the show did something that was a little interesting, and I'm not quite sure what they had in mind. Maybe they just wanted to recycle this name. But the name Masador was brought up. And Masador is apparently this, one of her he's counselors. He's
0: shorter, yeah, he's like a shorter slave counselor. Kind yeah, of, so like, we don't exactly know who this is. ambassador guy, to the slaves. Yeah, it's
1: like Masador the ambassador. We don't know who this guy is, essentially. But in the books, he is one of Daenerys, uh oh, Daenerys is one of Missandei's brothers. Mm-hmm. One of the Unsullied that was Missandei's brothers. Because remember, Missandei is from the island of Nath. And three of her brothers were taken as Unsullied when she was taken. One of the brothers didn't survive the Unsullied training. The other two uh, are Masador and Marcellin. Masador is killed in the books uh, in one of the, one of the nights when nine different people are killed, and it's when this is an, a scene that where Danny starts to take action, where she realizes. How big a problem the Sons of the Harpy are. They're doing all these nightly murders. Masador is killed by some people throwing rocks from above, like knocking some loose stones Mm. off of a walkway. Him and his unsullied buddy, an unnamed uh, guard that's with Masador, are both killed by the falling stones. Now... As an aside, Marcellin is the other brother. He's still alive in the books, and he is the captain of the Mother's Men, which is a free company that forms from slaves that Danny has set free. Marcellin himself trains a lot of these guys to fight or helps teach them to be better fighters, and so they end up nominating him their commander. So that's kind of cool. It's a really subtle, undercurrent thing going on there. One of Monsandei's brothers is, is is an important leadership role. So you wonder, I don't know if the show is going to do anything along those lines, as Masador is not Missandei's yeah, brother, does, yeah. I don't think, in yeah, the show. If they,
0: haven't, if they haven't touched on it, I highly doubt that they are siblings.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. But there's another interesting thing that happens there, and there's some parallel here. Yoke Boy, uh, tell us a bit about your thoughts here on on what happens and Daenerys' reaction in the books here to finding out about these murders and how her anger kind of builds up.
2: Okay, in in Daenerys 2, yeah, like you say, the Sons of the Harpy... She realizes they're the more than a, more of a threat when she hears that one of the nine killed is Mossador, you know, and she relates it as I's brother. Then she gets angrier and she allows them really to be tortured by the shave pate, but she says, you know, start off sweet, and it is kind of n- not really so controversial at that point. It's it's Danny getting a bit darker. But then someone tells her another one of the nine was a harpist. And remember that her brother, Rhaegar, was a harp player. And she just kind of snaps after that. And she's, she allows, sanctions the shave pate to essentially, you, you know, torture the wine seller's daughters. Which is a really controversial and divisive moment that you know some people really dislike Danny for this so some, some people try and justify it but um whatever you say it's definitely was a step into kind of grayness for Danny's character yeah it really shows
1: her temper and how she is still kind of childish in some ways She's still this is a, this is a concept we talked about a bit in the show only review where a lot of these characters Cersei and as well and as, and here Daenerys is doing it where she's faced with an obstacle or faced with a challenge and her re- reaction is to just beat it to, mm-hmm. to smash it down to beat it into submission rather than using a nuanced solution or doing something that's maybe more w- wise uh, an experienced yeah, solution yeah she's got
2: two sides to her doesn't she she does have this kind of uh, you know empathetic sympathetic side to her but she does kind of draw on this kind of Targaryen aggression, maybe, which really made her into the conqueror and leader. So she's a really interesting character, and uh, this balance of two sides of a character is, you know, creates intrigue, and it will be interesting to see where they lead.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a good job, a uh, very subtle job by George there of showing Daenerys's just two sides of her. You know how she's she's got this incredible level of compassion and empathy but she's also just capable of completely losing it and being her temper overriding all her judgments and causing her to do something pretty dark like you say sanctioning the basically sicking the shave paint on a, a bunch of little girls that you know that guy is br- violent and brutal and, and hates the old guard yeah and,
2: and only 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 30 seconds before that she had said no no you know don't be too harsh on them on, on the wine cellar. Because we don't know. We don't know if he's innocent or not. She actually was rational. Yeah. And then she just lost it. She just lost it's it. Not, just it's lost not like it. someone That's provided
1: it. her with some big game-changing piece of information. It was just like, oh, and they also killed this guy. It's like, oh, there were eight bodies instead of... Well, there were nine bodies instead of eight. And this is the ninth one. It's not like... Yeah, it wasn't like some big no. new piece of information. It was just like, and another person was killed. Just like, what? And then she loses it. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting. She just
2: happened to feel... You know, bad for some reason, like I said, maybe because Rego was a harpist, the the harpist was dead and that just pushed her over the edge. And in in this, in the chapter, it's a kind of, it's a bit bit more of a build up, but, but essentially that's what happens. She just kind of snaps and, you know, basically do what you want with them. Just get me answers kind of thing. She's she's angry. So we're
1: seeing two, a parallel here potentially building in the show, and this is why we wanted to talk about this issue so much. Not only just because it's interesting and Daenerys's character the grayness of Daenerys's character is a very fascinating subject. But, will she be faced with similar challenges here in the show? I believe she will. I think that's what they're heading for. They're, they're trying to show Danny's already got several other conundrums related to the fighting pits and her dragons. Some of these things. Now, she is also... Learning well, hopefully she's learning that she can't just do these things, and it might be Tyrion and Varys that come in and maybe teach her a few mm-hmm. things, because uh, she's surrounded by people who are adv- advisors who are not. Really used to this sort of thing. They're not. Emily they're Clark, not skilled.
0: Amelia Clark said about this season. And Daenerys has quite a few lessons to learn.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. So we see that that is yeah. following along kind of a similar book arc. She's learning to rule and learning that you can't just smash things down. You can't just. Can't
0: just say I'm not a politician. I'm a queen. Yeah, like,
1: that yeah. queens
0: are politicians. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying there.
1: It's, it's a very childish comment. Yeah. She's. She's. Yeah, you are. You're both. You're a queen yeah. and a Queens need to be politicians. Po- not all politicians are queens, but all queens. Yeah do need to be politicians yeah uh, especially when trying to manage this foreign population that has you know these murderers up yeah. you know this shadowy murder group that's yeah all that said
0: problem. I do understand why she responded so maybe rashly to his jar. She's had to have been having just, uh, you know, it's just a terrible day learning about these deaths and it's the, it's the Miranese that are doing this and this is Tezdar Miranese, asking her for a favor. Like, she doesn't know that she can trust him. I, I, I can just can see why she just feels like she needs to show her power and be commanding and not let him even get an
1: inch. And but
0: I, I still think it's the right choice.
1: Yeah, and, and she's I think part of she part of her is just disgusted by the whole concept yeah. of the fighting pits. Yes, that's, that she's just really turned off by the notion. And in the books, that she finally, as we know, she relents and finally opens them. But when she goes there, she hates it, and yeah. she thinks she says this was a mistake. <laughs> and
0: <laughs> yeah. then that's
1: kind of cast aside because Drogon arrives, and you know the yeah. whole thing takes know. on a whole. The scene takes on a different angle. We certainly know but, she
0: says she okay's the fighting pits here. We don't know under what circumstances, if it happens in the next episode, what, you know, we don't know if Drogon comes during the fighting pit scene either. We don't. I'm um, kind of, i kind of expecting
1: that, but we, yeah, we don't know for sure. Yeah. So here, and here's where we show someone who is learning to talk to Daenerys and learning how she works. And I think that Varys and Tyrion, or and or Tyrion, if they get the opportunity, will figure some of these things out too, especially Varys. Varys is a master of knowing when to speak and knowing what emotions to appeal to, even in rulers. Uh, the way he appeals to Ned and Robert when they're arguing is a good parallel. I think he's going to know the kind of things to say to Daenerys and how to speak to her. And Dario is showing some of that same wisdom. He doesn't challenge her about the fighting pits in front of everybody. It's something that Sean brought up in the show only review episode mm-hmm. i don't want to so i don't want to retread that too much go
0: listen to that too if you're interested
1: right on uh but the the basic the bottom line is that when they're alone together uh, you know kind of in a pillow talk situation where her she's not as angry she's probably <laughs> more receptive to new ideas <laughs> uh michael heisman's walking showing his butt you know that's yeah. you know very uh, a lot of the <laughs> women fans are happy she's got her, her night wig
0: on she's got
1: her her night wig.
0: Yeah, it's true. She got a new wig. It's like her hair's all, no no braids at all.
1: Day wig and night wig. That's hilarious. So this is, uh, so, and he tells, he basically speaks to Daenerys' responsibility and says, hey, look, you, you, you aren't being the right kind of queen here. You need to, you need to be a dragon queen, not a queen that has dragons that calls herself a dragon queen. And you need to, you need to you know, manage these whole things properly. You need to, you know, this fighting pits aren't what you think they are. A guy like me, hey, I worked my way up through the fighting pits. I wouldn't be here today if not for the fighting pits. So she's starting to, maybe she's starting to see things from a more balanced view and we'll see how that plays out. Hmm.
2: I wonder if if Dario is going to, you know, take on a few roles of the people that were kind of, you know, asking for things. Remember Brown Ben Plum, uh, you know, one of the dragons all primed and ready and you know ready to ready and that was a big that was a big that that was a big plot point i wonder if dario is going to be used as a kind of device to take on all these kind of challenges and you know there'll be a, a few more sex positions <laughs> <laughs> i think it's a pretty good guess because it gets that is the show's
1: method of opera- uh, modus operandi. They like to combine roles when possible rather than casting new people, which makes sense. As much as we like to see all these characters as individuals, it's already by far the biggest cast on television. So you got to give them a bit of a pass when they combine roles sometimes. Uh, you know, I got I, we just have to accept that at a certain point. You can't just expect every single character to be a unique actor. It's just really hard to keep track of for a one-hour TV show. So I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. I, I, I accept it. Mm-hmm. One last thing about Essos before we move on to the next section. And that is this this small difference with we have in the books, um, Grey Worm is asked the same question he's asked in the show, which is why would uh, an Unsullied go to a prostitute? Well, we see why. It's demonstrated to us. In the show, in the show, he wanted to be held, and he wanted to. It was a kind of mothering gesture. He just wanted human contact. That's a need that pretty much everyone has on some level. But in the show, it's it's shown to us and when the question is posed to Grey Worm, he dismisses it. He doesn't answer Missandei. He's like, yeah, he kind of, he doesn't want to tell her. Uh, in the book, it's Daenerys that asks the question, and and Grey Worm answers honestly. So we're we're presented with the same information, but in the show, it's done in a different way. I, I think maybe. Grey Worm was almost a little upset by the question. It was almost like he's like... Well,
2: well remember that these Unsullied are taken, you know, before they're five years old. Yes. You know, I imagine they miss their mothers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being held. And, you know, the TV show, they summed up that feeling in the books pretty well. You know, the woman singing to him. You know, these Unsullied, they've had their childhood stolen. So that, that's how I interpret it. That you know, this kind of almost motherly contact. You know, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I'm curious though. Is Grey Worm when he says he doesn't know to, to Missande? Is he lying to her because he I doesn't think he was. want? You, th- you think he's lying? He does. Is it because he doesn't want her to want to do that with him? Because he's embarrassed about him about himself and his brother's in a weakness? Is it? You know? Is it? Is think-
1: it? I think it might be some of that. I think it also might be that he's a little offended that she wouldn't understand that. Like, well, of course, I still have, you know, of course, we still have a need for human contact or closeness or whatever. Yeah, just because just, you know he so might so have offense. been insulted because he likes her and yeah maybe he's a, yeah
0: maybe he's thinking like do you really need to ask you, yeah. you know you're smart enough that you know you should you should know that obviously we're not going there for sex but I, I still think it's a valid thing for Masana to ask like what if all the guys are going there because they want to you know perform oral sex yeah uh, you know or what if there's a big difference between that and wanting to cuddle with a girl and. Masande likes gray worms. She has a vested interest. I, I, I don't know. It yeah, felt it felt a little a little odd to me. I, I didn't necessarily think he was lying, or that he, or that if he it, he it, you could call it lying, but that it was more that he he hadn't done it himself and he didn't fully understand. It's
2: yeah, kind of... I, that's definitely it's definitely curious. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and it seems it'll... certain. I, I really. I, I like the fact that they go in there and they're showing the humanization of these unsullied, which are supposed to be, you know, machines, mm-hmm. pieces of meat, and you know they do this in the books, but but the you know the advantage of TV they can actually show things outside of the POV. So we don't we hear about things like going to a prostitute for a bit of a cuddle, but you know being able to see that I, f- I think they've done well to actually show it. I think it's a important issue. And theme, which you know, was prohibited with the POV structure that we. can't with see. that. I, I, so, kind of well done to the TV show. For I, going I said there. the same
1: thing last season. I said I liked the the, the uh, Gray Worm stuff because it's it's a theme of Game of Thrones. The theme of the books is that we see the plight of of the soldiers and the common men as well as seeing the. People at the top and, and what they have to deal with. It's, it's it's we see at all levels of society how war affects people. So I do I give major credit to the show mm-hmm. for tapping into that, even though it's something that people really like to complain about. That the, the relations people think the relationship between Grey Worm and Misanti is really just unimportant and boring. Yeah. And, well, you're entitled to your opinion on that. I respectfully disagree. I think mm-hmm. it's I like it. Um, but yeah. I can understand why people think. I can see see why people. Right. Well, it it is. There are other things that have been cut that maybe are more important than that. That's a common complaint. Is that there's only so much they can put in the show, and of all the things they put that, that's kind of the complaint, you know. Mm -hmm. And I don't disagree with that part. So I could say that maybe they could have put something better in, but I do like the choice Mm -hmm. in a vacuum. So.
0: Yeah, I really liked the white rat scene with him, uh, how they show from the harpy coming down, and then you see him, like, kind of a low shot at him, you know, like, they're, like, the ones that they look powerful, you, you know. look, like, yeah. like, satisfied. You look, like, satisfied, and then you, you follow him, you know, you follow him, and he goes there, and he c- goes in, you know, and, it, yeah, like, like you say, it's very humanizing, um, it's just, yeah, it was a really great, great scene, well-structured.
1: Okay, well, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Here to we go the with The Wall. The Wall. The Wall. Where I want to start here is one thing that a lot of us fans of the books are waiting for and are hoping doesn't get cut from the show is that great line from John saying, Ed, fetch me a block. Mm -hmm. And that line is still up in the air. I was hoping that because Janice Slint was a coward in episode 9 of last season and he was seen to be a yeah. coward, that this would be grounds for executing him. I thought maybe this would be his path to death, which probably is coming at some point this season. But yeah. there's a few changes, and so this that, that whole thing is up in the air. The main thing is one of the main things is that Thorne and Janice Slint and Alistair Thorne have kind of swapped places. Instead of Slint being the candidate for Lord Commander we have Thorne being the candidate for Lord Commander, and the the other is backing the other, and, and the show and the book have that reversed, which is fine. I don't that, that doesn't seem like a, a crucial change. It's yeah, just, it
0: makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Thorin's the one who's been yeah. in the
1: leadership. Yeah, role it makes
0: way more sense for Alistair to be to be nominated after
1: his brilliant speech uh, rousing the men to battle in in episode four or season four, episode nine. I've, I like a lot of people. I gained some grudging respect yeah. for him it was really well done and that actor did a great job and it makes me want to see more of him even though he's kind of a dick yeah I like him. okay so uh, so I'm glad that he's the, the, the guy rather than Slint um, but I really don't know where this is going um, but obviously this is all foreshadowing the election of of probably seeing Jon Snow elected as Lord Commander I, I, that seems very likely given trailers and given how that's just a plot line that I doubt they're going to cut um, so they mentioned Malister, they mentioned the, uh, the Dennis Mallister. Mm-hmm. so it could be a similar situation. So, here's a question. Do you guys think they're going to, Yoko, we'll start with you, do you think they're going to use the SAM device, having SAM do his lying and learning to lie and helping John become Lord Commander, or do you think we're going to see that? You know, I have no, I have no idea, it's
2: just, I so hard to guess,
1: <laughs> I... It is hard to tell.
2: <laughs> I, 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 I can't. I'm sorry. I don't have a much of an opinion on this part. What, what do you think, Aziz? Well, uh, maybe you, you it seems to can be trigger up. an idea in my it head. It seems
1: to be being set up for that. Um, I hope they do that. I really don't know what they're going to do with Sam and Gilly this year. Gilly is kind of an interesting wild card. Cause she's not supposed
2: to be there yeah. do you do you think that sam is disposable because there, there's all, there is these talk of characters you know dying before their time and uh do, do you think that sam could be it's crossed my mind
0: <laughs> i think that he is disposable and that he's not necessary but i think there's a lot of purpose that he still can have in the show um that i'd like to see them use in terms of him finding out information. I feel like him finding out information will be relevant in the next two books. I feel like Sam does still yeah. have a part to play. Like, right now, he's at Old Town. But that doesn't mean that... I I still think he has a lot of part to play in terms of information in the next two books.
2: I mean, they could just, if they don't want to do Old Town, which I very much doubt they would, to be be honest, um, unfortunately. uh, He could just be kind of burrowing away in the Night's Watch library. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's how I see it. But, um, you know, I'm just making a little... I'm just a bit worried for his character in the TV show Yeah, Yeah. these kind of characters that go off on their own I worry about.
0: (laughs) I will say that uh, I don't think they're going to do Old Town but they've talked about how maybe they would do more than seven seasons. They've cut down so much stuff that if they wanted to expand the plot out again Old Town is one of the few things that they could still add very easily next season. It would be incredibly mm. easy for Sam to leave in the first episode right. of, season, you know, of, of season six or the last episode or something like that. Um, and, and if they want to expand it out to eight seasons, yeah. then that would be a perfect little thing to add, I think. That and the Ironborn plot. Um, those yeah. are the only the,
2: two. Some could, could get in a rowing boat. <laughs> yeah, Gendry can yeah, ride up and Gendry, be yeah. like, hey, hey dude, <laughs> jump in. I could use some help rowing. <laughs> And then Gilly, Balon Greyjoy is at the stern. <laughs> Eventually, he falls in the water. And that's the end of him.
1: <laughs> okay, so then we have all this all this action in the yard with you know a couple different things happening, a couple different dynamics. We have the Lord Commander discussion. We have John teaching Ollie, and we have Gilly worrying about what her fate is going to be because yeah. she knows she's not allowed I think to be there. Gilly's more
0: more disposable than Sam. I, I worry about Gilly.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, right? If they're not going to have Sam leave the Night's Watch, that does put him more at risk, and it puts Gilly more at risk as well. So I agree. These these two characters are very up in the air. And honestly, boy, I hadn't really thought about the possibility of Sam being disposable. But you're right. He... May have less of a role, but he's 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 also very popular. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't mean they won't popular, they will kill him off.
0: I, I I don't know how popular he really is. He's popular, more so popular among book fans watching yeah, the show right. than he is. You notice they don't put Sam in the trailers. Yeah. You know,
2: as as, as these um, yeah, tell Ned Stark about being popular. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> everyone
2: knows Sean Bean dies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sean Bean always dies. Yeah. So now, but that that scene is. Is interrupted by Melisandre arriving and coming to collect John to bring him before Stannis and Davos. But before the scene with Stannis and Davos, we have Melisandre asking John if he's a virgin. Yeah. Now that's that brings up all kinds of questions.
2: <laughs> it uh, does. And in in the Dance of Dragons, Mel does you know flirt with John a lot. And at one point, she even says, uh, "I can't. I don't know the exact quote, but it's something like." you know, uh, two people have the power to be one, the power yeah. to cast shadows. Yeah, the, the, that's why he... I'm sorry, I, I couldn't get <laughs> the quote exactly right Of memory. Something about... <laughs> she why definitely says the and power and to cast shadows.
1: Yeah. Power of being together. The, yeah, it's what it was like, whoa. Yeah, so the possibility of shadow babies. John, she's already alluded to that. Melisandra in her own chapter in Dance, says the the, the wall is making her more powerful and she thinks about how how dangerous and deadly any shadow she creates
2: here and how how yeah, nasty no, it, it says is. something like dark, no darkness will stand before yeah. them I mean that's serious this is someone that's given birth to a shadow we saw the shadow babies mm-hmm. before and now she's saying "No, no darkness will stand against them but she just needs the right man and she's looking for someone with a kind of Fire inside them because Stannis, Stannis is too weak. Davos, she tried Davos. Davos turned
1: her down. Davos sounds is, like Davos, Davos is creeped out by the whole thing. That right sounds like so.
0: Melisandre's dating profile. <laughs> Melisandre looking for the right <laughs> right man. Just needs to have that fire inside him.
1: <laughs> so everyone listening, if you saw yes. Melisandra on I don't know Tinder, what yeah. which direction would you swipe? I <laughs> I, I would I would. Just, <laughs> I would get the hell away from yeah, that. John looks
0: like he's thinking about it. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's, I feel like John could be could be seduced, but I don't think he'd be seduced to do shadow to make shadow babies. I don't think he I don't think he'll be part of any of her religious stuff. He's very much um he's very much supports yeah. the old gods. I just don't think he would.
2: I agree with you. Do you think that he could uh, he could change though? You, you know, I'm talking about the books. Do You think John is going to undergo changes and also we don't know what it's going to be like when the others arrive and everyone's freezing and people have got no food and they're starving and eating each other and the zombies if john is thinking well if i can you know make a shadow baby to kill these others that, that really changes how you think about it could it be done in desperation yeah, yeah desperation
1: will 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 change the perspective on what is an acceptable solution to problems by a long, by a major ways yeah i agree yes and desperation mm-hmm. is coming to yes. the wall for sure desperation will be coming probably to a lot of places throughout the mm-hmm. seven kingdoms but especially the wall <laughs> and the north and gradually going southward
0: yeah but uh So the Melisandre John scene was a highlight for me for the episode. uh, One of the best scenes of the episode. uh, Funniest. It also just made me think a lot about um, there's no Val or it seems that there's no Val. There was a wildling chieftainess cast and she's been in the trailers. She's okay looking some people are saying this Val it's Val I don't think it's yeah. Val I think her, it's just her, a Wildling Chieftain the role I, seems it, too small to be.
1: even if it is Val it seems pretty yeah, small yeah it's not
0: Val yeah. in the books it's not yeah. she's not she's not a, a wildling princess you know now here's
1: a suggestion by our good friend Azad the artist of behind comics of Art and fi- art of Ice and Fire Art of Ice and Fire <laughs> Comics of Ice and Fire yes blah third, <laughs> third time's the, the charm so he, his suggestion is maybe, since the show hasn't been able to get into this because they didn't do Ned flashbacks, they barely talk about Lyanna and Rhaegar, okay. maybe this is their vehicle to reveal Rhaegar plus Lyanna equals Jon, R-, R plus L equals J. Having Melisandre do these realizations, in the book she's already starting to kind of tap into that a little bit with her, the whole thing of her looking into the flames and she's looking for Stannis and she sees Snow, capital S. You know, it's it's very interesting. So, that might be the way that they break into this. It's hard to imagine that the show is never going to get into that. And this is an opportunity for them to do that. And if they've noticed that themselves, then they might jump on that. So, it's definitely a good catch there. I think that might be what happens. So, keep an eye out for that. And if it does play out that way, well done, Azad. Now, at the end of this, this is a short scene. That generated a lot of discussion. Just this little elevator ride with (laughs) with, uh, Melisandre and John.
0: Has a lot of implications.
1: It
2: does. The actors have it's been talking huge. about in
0: all their interviews. They've been talking about how John is intrigued by Melisandra and clearly more is going to happen. Well,
2: in the books, in the books, the first time that John sees Melisandra, or one of the first times, the first thing he notices is how attractive she she is. Actually, in the books, a very very attractive woman. You know, on par with anyone. It's just that she's so freaky yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's also the intimidating red yeah she's like six feet tall yes. and you
1: know ageless she's really tall i don't remember exactly i don't know about six feet
2: that's a guesstimate but she's really tall i don't know
0: if i heard that
2: it, it says it says she's described as taller than most knights oh, so remember okay. she's the stannis's banner bearer when yeah, she goes to meet with renly and that is described as a something
1: you need to be really strong to do. Like... I
0: doubt she's in heels. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I also like doubt that she's in pair. heels. <laughs> but it's funny, it's interesting, the lack of Val in the TV show is going to make this kind of dynamics. It is sexual tension, whether it's just from one of them, you know, it's going to make this tension more pronounced with Val not being there. Yeah. So it will have a different kind of feel because in the books you've got this Melisandra wanting uh wanting John and him kind of dismissing her but then you've also got this very attractive Val. So your eyes aren't really on the John Mel relationship.
0: Much more, much more personable. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. And you know okay. they just you know they just they're aware of all the fangirling that goes over Kit Harrington. They want to give him some sort of relationship. <laughs> they want to keep yeah. him in the game. <laughs> yeah,
0: certainly. If they didn't have a Melisandre relationship, it would just be really weird for them to not have Val. Um, but yeah. not having Val makes a lot of sense with Melisandre. It does. It's, yeah. it's
1: kind of a, it makes sense from the show perspective. That's the kind of. Role concatenation that they tend to do it fits in with that whole thing. Hey, at least Mel is kissed by fire. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) They get to repeat that whole thing. (laughs) And remember, in the books, we get you know she does say, "You know nothing, Jon Snow." There's still that that (laughs) line hanging over us all.
2: And and she's very friendly with Ghost at one point. Whether she uses some kind of trick, some sort of trick. Uh, I think I think she might use a trick with her voice because it says she sings. Uh, she, she sings the word so that's like a spell but but nevertheless she does have this affinity with ghost that's a
1: good catch there yeah because she says a word in that one scene in her own point of view she says that the three different people in the room all hear a different word she's and none of it none of them heard the word she actually said so that's that's a good clue she, she
2: uses these tricks with her voice yeah it's like uh, we we know that um songs can be spells from miri Mazdur. That's right. So, and, and then we then we get Mel doing all these kind of vocal tricks and stuff. Watch out for them. There's a few catches. <sighs> Mel
1: Sandra's very tricky with that because she's got actual power, but she also shows that she's willing to use tricks to make herself look even more powerful. But for more info on that, yes. check out Radio Westeros' episode on Mel Sondra. There's a lot more good stuff there. Yeah,
2: we have a Mel episode. Come and check it out. Yeah. radio. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> so let's talk about
1: Stannis and Davos and Jon. Now here's a big big moment. Uh, first of all, just real quick, that shot from the top of the wall. Two thumbs up. Yeah. That was great. I, I love seeing just, shots from the top of the wall.
0: I love seeing shots from the top of the wall, but I also love seeing scene, mm-hmm. scenes with Stannis and Davos that aren't dark as hell on Dragonstone. It's like, it's <laughs> terrible. The, the, like, the, they do like this color grading for like, if you've never noticed like, the wall is, you know, the wall is blue. Yeah. The south is orange, yellow. Yeah. You know, the, the eerie is kind of a neutral color. Dragonstone is dark. Yeah, it is just, it's just
2: dark. dark. So but you, that it, it,
0: scene was
1: beautiful. It's supposed to get people to think that Stannis is a villain, which was always kind of annoying yeah. to us book purists. Huh? Even <laughs> even those of us who are who are you know give the showrunners credit you know who give them slack here and there, they just didn't seem any reason to cast Stannis as a villain. He's not a villain. He's gray, like just about everyone else. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's just TV, I guess. They maybe they just wanted to they needed they wanted to define who is good and bad a little more. But that's
2: that's not a that just doesn't. Yeah. fit. Well, maybe they're right just saying what a what a depressing place. place to, yeah.
0: <laughs> I never, I never exactly saw it as him casting him as a villain. There, I just t- saw it as Dragonstone sucks. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't mean that he <laughs> cast him as a villain. There, just kind of, it's just like a
2: villainous overtone. Yeah, not it's like it's he's a villain, dark. right? Like this kind of uh, Dark Lord retreating back to his, yeah, to bro- back to his yeah. castle, yeah, to or something. The castle <laughs> race, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> huh.
1: So, so Stannis' goal here is to get John to help him get Mance to help him (laughs) which is so he wants the wildlings in his army stannis is a man that sees the bottom line and the bottom line is to win wars you need soldiers he's already hired some uh he's gotten the apparently the golden company if not some other mercenaries uh when he hired them with the iron banks money and that's why his army was so big but he's not done he needs more soldiers than that he wants to add the wildlings to his army A lot of differences from book to show here. Some of them don't seem too big. But there are some that are very interesting. For one thing, wildlings in his army was something that John shot down right away in the books. He was like, look, you're not going to get any northern lords to join you if you've got wildlings in your army. Mm -hmm. The umbers in particular will just flat out attack you.
0: Yeah, John doesn't even bring that up.
1: Yeah, John doesn't raise that issue at all in the show. They don't seem to be addressing that, which is fine. It's, it's, it's a thing that's too complicated. The Umber's attitude towards the Wildlings hasn't been touched on. It wouldn't make sense if they just threw that out, but I guess they just want to, you know, they don't want to deal with that. So let's see here. We have, we're, we're going to guess. It doesn't look like Stannis is going to offer John Winterfell. Although it looked, it was kind of a tease. It looked like they, he was about to. He started talking about, don't you want to get revenge? Don't you want to do this? Davos and Stannis are trying to like, get John fired up, and John's like, nope, keep it in my vows, you know, the White Swatch doesn't get involved, that simple, and Stannis doesn't really push him on it, he just says, okay, well then, Mance Rayder, get him to kneel, or he's burning, period, that's it, you know, he gives him, it's like an ultimatum, it's kind of the way, Stannis clearly isn't going to hang around long, he needs to get moving, he's got a campaign to run, he wants to put Bolton's head on a spike, which he said straight up, Mm -hmm. and that, he seems intent on that, so, I don't know what do you guys think this whole the whole concept of, of Mance man's being burned and and everything that's a it's a big I think diversion. There's,
0: there's going to be a lot there's just going to be a lot there's a lot of stuff for them to work out. A lot of stuff for John Stannis, Torment, different wildlings to figure out. We see people at what we what is hard home um, so we know that some stuff happens with, with that, with wildlings going there. Um, I, I foresee some. I, I foresee some really interesting talks between Stannis and John about what I, about the wildlings and about the interactions with the Northmen.
1: I hope um, they have a lot of that. I was really looking forward to John and Stannis' conversations because they're yeah. a great part of the book. I hope that. I hope, something yeah, I hope Stannis doesn't just
0: move out immediately. Yeah, um, I'd yeah. like. Yeah, I'd like to see some good conversation.
1: That would be too bad if they if if Stannis immediately left and they didn't get a chance to do some chatting (laughs) but it seems to be uh, let's see other other possibilities here it does it also looks if we think about this uh yoke boy something you pointed out with the what the the lack of wild the wildlings in his army as usual there's some sort of this is going to be a combination this is going to be where the showrunners found a a streamlining opportunity
2: yeah i think i think that um in in the books you had the northern clans who are kind of Hill people who come to, uh, on the advice of John, actually, um, come to Stannis's aid, which is, you know, shows John's great kind of leadership skills and advice. He's a smart guy, and uh, so Stannis has a common cause with these northern clans, but uh, maybe they're just going to uh, replace the clans with with wildlings. he will give the wildlings something to do. Um, I think that you know they're, they're good in battle scenes. People like Tormund and stuff. People are used to what they don't look see like. Them just hanging around. There. Yeah. yeah, and people, like someone like Tormund and all of those kind of people, You, you what are they are going to do? Just hang around a little bit? Yeah, right. I think the showrunners would rather see them in battle, and so yeah. would I. It seems anyway. like
1: Tormund has proved to be a very popular fan character, and I do think they, the showrunners probably noticed that. They may have noticed that well in advance. They may have predicted it. And mm. the actor who they cast is obviously more of an action-oriented figure,
2: mm. and
1: you know, Kiron yeah. Hines is is not a you know an actor that's probably going to get up there and do a lot of fighting. So yeah. maybe it makes sense to, for them to have Tormund be the the kind of battling guy because he was fantastic as a in in, a, in episode nine of last season as a fighter. He looked great. He was ferocious. He just his, his swings came
2: so fast. Yeah. I was really I was impressed. The guy he's ve- he's very believable as this kind of. Like wildling, like uh, you know, semi savage kind of guy, and you know he, he's is uh, is the actor Norwegian. He reminds you yeah. He's got this kind of Vikingness about him. He
1: does Christopher yeah. with a K. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah he,
2: and, and uh, yeah, he just he kicks ass. Everyone wants to see a bit. Yeah, of that. He, the showrunners aren't stupid. He has charisma. Yeah, yeah, he definitely yeah. has on-screen charisma. People uh-huh. like him. I, I
1: like him for sure.
0: Yeah. So yeah, the the, the Mance is death and I do think he is really dead. I, I don't think that there's that plot is happening. I, mm. I there's just there's there was no foreshadowing at all. I, it just would be weird. They they're clearly not doing plot lines like that. Yeah. Rattleshirt
1: um, was in the show for like thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. recast <laughs>
0: Rattleshirt actually. Oh um, really? Okay. But uh Mance's storyline has already been really cut down. You know, he doesn't have a wife, he doesn't have Dalla that we've seen, there's no yep. baby No child, yeah. There's and no Val. There's... He's, he's a much different yeah
1: physically different yeah. you know
0: um he doesn't have his bardiness which i wish <laughs> yeah. he had still had the, the actor that plays him is even a musician he has musical talent like oh. he would have he, he could have done the role yeah, i, I, oh well. I would have liked to see a little bit of music up there at the wall
2: that <laughs> would have been nice oh well. but, i must say i'm disappointed uh, all around with mantz i think uh for one thing okay they cut his story down but i also think he you know it, I, i'm i'm presuming that that's the end of him. Okay, so I might be wrong. But if so, I think... Yeah, he, I think all three of us are in Yeah, I, feel, there, I yeah. think he was also miscast. Uh, and uh, that's something I wouldn't say very often. I think the cast is wonderful, and uh, I've forgotten the lady who, who's in charge of the casting, but she does an awesome job. And, uh, like, Kieran yes. Hines is a very accomplished actor, so I'm not saying that. But I think perhaps he was just the wrong man for the job. If you're going to shorten uh, Mance's part in the story... He really wanted someone with charisma that could steal scenes in a certain way, have a certain charm and be memorable. And I, I personally don't think uh, Kieran Hines was the man for the job. He he doesn't really leave much of a memory of Mance at all. He d- didn't really emphasise what how important he was. And like I said, he didn't have the charisma to pull it off. They went for the everyman, I think, yeah. but I, I didn't like it. I mm. think that's
0: a good point. I never really pinpointed exactly. I think he was lacking a certain charisma. He kind of it was slow to grow on me. I liked him a lot like going back, especially the end when him and John are talking in the tent last season. That was a real standout scene for the two of them. But yeah, he was a quiet, a, a quiet. Um, int- He's a little a quiet intensity, I suppose. But yeah, yeah I think they, so much, they originally so charisma. went. F-
2: they went for Dominic West originally, who uh, some of you might know from The Wire. Yeah, oh yeah. He play, does he play McNulty? I forgot. The, yeah, <laughs> McNulty. Uh, he plays yes. one of the He plays McNulty. Yes. and uh, he 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 turned it down. He turned the role down, but he didn't want know, to be like, in ice for six months. And he, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it's a shame because uh, he has that kind of instant charisma i'd call yep. like this kind of little bit of screen magic i and agree i would have preferred him to be honest that would have been but nice
1: but yeah so it shows that they had the right guy in mind but you can't help it if the guy just doesn't want to no, do you, it you <laughs> no you can't no you can't um so a little more on that this is perhaps this is probably one of the characters george was referring to when he said there's going to be characters killed off this season that aren't dead in the books well, certainly. I can't this see is one him coming back. I can't either. That just doesn't fit. And and so, the ramifications of that decision are pretty major. No Mance anymore means no either a very different or no pink letter. Uh, the plot of him going to Winterfell during the wedding. Of course, there's all possibilities that that wedding situation is a lot different in general. But the Mance being involved is, is right out. Uh, also, the other possibility, the... What else? There's no... There'd be no less chance of a conflict between the Boltons and the Wall, uh, because Mance was sort of the the go-between to that situation. So there's other ways they could bring that up. I'm not really sure. But it seemed it's going to be interesting to see how they handle bring this. It Tormund seemed like a major focus. difference. What's no, that?
0: Bring Tormund into focus. Yeah, Tormund and, could
1: be he's the only wildling
0: that. that we really could be focused on, unless they introduce someone entirely new.
1: That's true. You're right. Tormund's uh, kind of the wildling. be wild. The
0: wildling. like there's Rattleshirt, <laughs> and they have recast him, but Rattle I Rattleshirt's never going to be uh, and. Yeah. the acquisition of power <laughs> or f- forefront with, especially with his outfit it just doesn't make for great TV
2: yeah so I think they'll <laughs> no but he might be he might be a feared you know a feared warrior rattle shirt they might turn him into a think, like he's in the trailer warrior yeah, I can see yeah.
0: him leading like wildlings that are specifically against the Night's Watch and um, Stannis kind of
1: like how the Weeper is still uh, out there in the yeah. books the, the rattle shirt is you know with the Night's Watch captured yeah. in but some of the wildlings don't try to join up and the weeper is one of the major leaders of that group and so the shirt could be that version for the show which would make sense uh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So but the one thing we haven't seen yet is the Boltons but we're seeing part of what looks like a build up to you know some sort of battle of ice battle of the ice a lot like what happens or was is going yeah. to happen at the beginning of the Winds of Winter and We don't see what the Boltons have going up. I'm sure when we see them, there'll be some talk about armies and dispositions and the fact that Stannis is their enemy and all that. We see that from Stannis' side now.
0: I have to say that there are... I try to separate the books from the show, but... If Stan, if we get to see Stannis and Roose's battle, I don't necessarily think it'll be. The, maybe it'll be the end of the season. I don't know. But if we see, that's one case where it would definitely color my perception of the of the books and oh. how the battle is going to turn out in terms of Stannis or Roose winning. What yeah. happens? Um, it might reveal
1: Stannis' trick.
0: Yeah, it might reveal his trick. There's just different things that uh, that it could imply. But again, it could be something where I'm like, that there's no way that's happening in the books. Yeah. So we'll see.
1: For more coverage on the Battle of Ice, of course, uh, if you're not aware, we have three episodes on the Battle of Ice mm-hmm. featuring Jeff Hartline, aka Brendan Briefish. Check those out if you haven't. I know most of you probably have already, mm-hmm. uh, but we really uh, uh, beat that topic. Yeah, to death. we got to
0: move on <laughs> to the veil. So Two. let's one last
1: thing about here oh. about this is the actual burning of Mance. It's a really it's a very powerful scene. You get to go around the circle and see a bunch of people's reactions. The, uh, you see Tormund looking really intense and kind of torn, and he's, he's it's like he's proud torn. that Mance is Tormund. He's yeah. proud in a way that that Mance never knelt, but he's also angry, and of course he's also like, wow, this guy's burning. Uh-huh. And it was a nice parallel to John John's compassion and John's kind of dedication to doing the right thing. Uh, regardless of mm. consequences, I don't think there'll be any real consequences. Just like there wasn't in the book.
2: No. Stannis isn't good. Stannis will be mildly annoyed with him, yeah. and that's about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, You shouldn't have done that. You made me look a fool. <laughs> yeah.
2: do, do you do you think? Do you think that was his kind of Stark justice? Yeah. You know, because we learned from Ned early. You know, a nice clean death kind of thing. Yes. Is, it's interesting. Is uh, is uh, part of the Stark identity? You I know? like that true And he yeah. he's also
1: sort of. It's it's not necessarily John wasn't the one to pass the sentence. But
2: no, it's interesting. He's not administering it, justice. He's just making yeah. Sure it's and clean.
1: something that you mentioned to me when we were preparing this episode that I think is worth mentioning: it's John who tells Bran in the very first episode not to look away during the execution of the deserter of the Night's Watch. And John sort of he doesn't really look away, but he does kind of end it, you <laughs> know, prematurely. He sort of puts <laughs> an <laughs> end to the whole thing. So yeah. I think it's a, so, uh, so a bit of star, stark identity. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, nice. so we're uh, we're going to move on to the veil. Yeah. It's our last topic. We're going to cover. We, we we were running a little short on time, yes. but this is also the, the topic that has the least to cover yeah. because it's really just getting yeah. started.
0: So we have uh, Brandon Podrick. A real sad scene. between Yeah, them. Brienne's really
1: just depressed. She's, yeah, she's just and depressed, kind of aimless.
0: Yeah, uh, it's uh, you know it's just your whole purpose. You, someone just tells you that you failed. Uh, you know that's what Sandor and Arya said is that you failed. I don't need you. You're to have Lannister gold. Like, just everything is just. Yeah, it's, I feel really bad. Kind of some
1: bittersweet humor as Sansa and Littlefinger pass by. Yeah. You just want to say, look out the window or yeah. look at that carriage. But <sighs> meanwhile, she's just busy sharpening her sword, which is weird because Valyrian steel doesn't need to be sharpened. Maybe one day she'll figure that out. Yeah. <sighs> She's just going to yeah. be like, wait a minute, I don't need to sharpen this sword. Yeah, maybe.
0: I, I, think it's all, I think I think even if she did figure it out, she'd just be like, you, she, she, it's a kind of thing that you do when you're angry. Like, yeah, she's just, it. yeah,
2: she's sharpening her as long as it like, If it's
0: not causing any damage to the Valyrian steel sword, oh, then yeah, it's, it's fine. A, yeah, as,
2: as long as she's just not ruining yeah. it. She better <laughs> not ruin it. So what have you done?
1: <laughs> she's like, oh my god, I ruined my Valyrian steel blade with a rock. Dang it, what, I, what was I doing here? So... Yeah. So that's going to be interesting, and then of course, like you, like we, we a great thing to point out here is the same. This is this near miss of of Brienne almost barely crossing passes with Sansa, or crossing paths with Sansa, is an homage to the books, isn't it? Yeah, this is
2: very much in the spirit of you know what's going on in Feast for Crows, where there's all these kind of intersections. Brienne has kind of been used as eyes on the devastated lands, and then. Uh, the most notable near miss in the books is Brienne seeing the Titan's daughter, and for those that can't remember, that is the ship that Aya has just boarded so <laughs>
1: so close so yeah, close. So far. <laughs> So, the actual veil proper, uh, with Sansa and Littlefinger, we're we're introduced to Sweet Robin being a 13-year-old and a totally helpless fighter. Hopeless and helpless. Yes. Both (sighs) those things. And so that's a pretty big change from his age. He's like seven years different, which is all the characters are pretty much aged up in the show, but this is a much bigger change as far as the Yeah, the younger you
0: are, the bigger the change is. It's more a percentage of your age. But it, it, it makes the Sweet Robin Lysa scenes all the more creepy because he was like... At most, he was at most. Like, let's say it's been two years. At most, he was eleven. then.
2: Yeah. breastfeeding like, at eleven. Is when he was sucking in... on those boobs, yeah. he was yeah. eleven years old. I read an, I read an article
0: on uh, Watchers on the Wall where they were talking about the. Uh, I never, I never thought about the logistics of filming that scene with him sucking on. Like, I never,
1: I th- <laughs> it was, I just, a, it I was never, a prosthetic. It's a right?
0: prosthetic, yes. Yeah. I just never thought about it, and of course, the prosthetic. But like, he's like the, the actor that plays. You know, Robert, his his parents were there like, what a weird thing to sign your kid up for. Yeah, it's just, like, so oh, there's a
1: breastfeeding scene. Um, yeah. For yeah. Your teenage, your young teenage son. Yes. And like, what? <laughs> yeah, that must have been a bit of awkwardness. Yeah, real for weird the, uh, <laughs> for that whole thing. Uh-huh. So, okay, so let's see what else do we have. There's, like we said, they're just barely scratching the surface of of what's going to happen in the veil. We're really just introduced to some concepts rather than some specifics. The concepts being, Sansa is getting a lot more confident. She's Littlefinger is starting to see that see this on his own. He's there. They have some back and forth that reveal that Sansa is kind of thinking along the same lines that he is, and she and he kind of respects that. And it's just kind of a a lot of this is going to be a wait and see. We just don't know where Littlefinger receives this note while they're sitting there watching Sweet Robin do his pathetic attempting at training. What is that? What was in that note? In our other episode, Sean suggested maybe it was a note. Maybe it was the note that Tywin is dead, because mm-hmm. that meant isn't brought up at all, and, and that news has just got to be spreading. And or it could be something else. It could be something completely different. It could be something very sneaky. It could be some sort of, hey, Littlefinger, we need you to, you know, go yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. Because uh, he maybe he won't stay in the veil. I don't know. Yeah. But what, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Any predictions or guesses? Or is it just kind of a wait and see?
0: Not about the note in particular. I, I Yeah, not about the note in particular. I think all of those make sense for for him to have gotten a note to any of those effects. Hmm. But um, clearly he is leaving the Vale. Clearly they're going west, not east to the Fingers. Um, when we, were, we never saw the Fingers, really. We, yeah, saw, we never in. saw the Baelish house. But uh, West could be anywhere. They're they're in the Erie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. But
0: there's some pretty strong um, implications in the trailer about where they're going, or at least where Sansa's going.
1: <clears throat> yep. But we'll cover that when it comes along. Um, mm. Some people may not want to hear oh, about okay. that too much. Not want to hear and about. We the are trailer. running short on time, so that's a reasonable yeah. That's a thing good enough to, reason. To we'll talk out.
0: about it next episode, surely. So uh, we'll
2: start to. Uh, Yoke boy, did you have any more thoughts on the veil? No, not really. It was such a you know, it's quite brief, wasn't it? So i'm happy yeah
1: it's it's a it's a good setup but it's hard to to guess the show is it's going to go in its own direction or whether it's going to parallel some of the things in the spoiler chapter it doesn't seem like it's going to it seems like it's going to be different and that's actually something worth addressing when the mercy chapter was released last year it did seem to be a response to some of the scenes that were coming in season four and some people thought because of the timing of this chapter that maybe something similar was going on. So far, I don't see it. I don't see the similarities. I don't see... Maybe George wanted to just remind readers that these things were going in a different direction. He
0: said... George said specifically that he was pushed into posting this by his yeah. publishers and other people like I was that. gonna
1: say that next as well so that's yeah. that that's 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 I that's definitely so I puts think a whole I think it's his publishers it.
0: and everything like that wanting to capitalize on the show to be like he puts out a new winds of winter you know chapter it's in all the news reports and people are reminded there is a book series that I yeah. should read
1: yeah it, it could um, be I don't, I'm not sure about that I, I definitely could, there could the cynical view on that is yeah. George is maybe putting some spin on that maybe he did want to put it out yeah, but that's true the publishers that's true. put some I don't think that's the case yeah. but it's worth mentioning yeah. i know some of our listeners who are, are yeah. watchers have have suggested that so i wanted to throw that out there as an, as an option i think it's a, it's a reasonable suggestion
0: mm-hmm. um moving forward though um to what's going to be in the next episode to the tr- to the next time on some people do not um watch the next time on i know that some people specifically try to avoid it um you should just you know Shut this off. Now. Yeah, if you don't
1: want to be spoiled, on that we're not going to get into real details. Yeah, we're just, just talking about we're just what's gonna in the do next some time o- on. Very, very high level view. Yeah, here. we're going
0: to talk about what wasn't in the episode that we should look forward to, stuff yeah. like that. Dorn, of course. Huh?
1: Dorn is a big one. Yes,
0: Doran is a big one. We specifically see Doran and Ilaria talking. Um, I will struggle to be neutral. I <laughs> I predict um, in those episodes. i am actually been considering that maybe I should just like do a little video where I just say I didn't like this, this, this. Two minute long, just me like just saying it get it out of my system, <laughs> but uh I'll try to be neutral I, I I have my hopes open even if um i'm I'm real i I had a lot of hope my high hopes for Dorn and ilaria pushing for revenge, which is what it seems to be is not not what I was looking forward to.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, next we have Arya, who is, yeah. we haven't seen Arya yet, obviously, we'll see and White, her obviously. soon. That's the
0: next episode's title. So is look the for House of us Black to be, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, that's, so. clearly she's going to be in the next episode, we'll be talking about that. The Boltons we haven't seen yet, we haven't seen Theon with them, I'm sure there'll be a good bit of that. The Greyjoys, we don't expect to see them this oh, season, we might still see Bayon that's a loose end, I don't <laughs> but
0: don't know up. what's going
1: on with that. The Brotherhood Without Banners, don't know if they'll appear or not, Gendry, still rowing, Getting stronger. I love mentioning that three times per episode. Yeah, <laughs> nope. we need to see him. And Bran, not going to be in the season at all. Uh, no Bran, no Hodor. All oh, right, we're all very <laughs> sad. Uh, but that's, of course, as as you all know, as book readers, you know that that's they've basically reached that point in the books. Minus a few, you know, training scenes. Minus a few scenes of Three Eyed Raven explaining how some things work. That's the only thing we've really missed out on. Yeah. and of course you see our cat infestation again kicking yeah. up
2: so, oh no kyburn Q- it'd be interesting to see the 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 robert strong yes uh just to, to see if that's gonna you know what happens there because that was
1: set up last season it was you're right right at the end of the season we saw kyburn working on him and cersei giving him license to do that
0: yeah so, there's bound to be less secrecy around it in the show because they have to show us really what he's doing and yeah. show us Robert Strong and stuff to that effect. Uh, it's, yeah, I'm very curious.
1: So I hope you guys have in, enjoyed this so far. Of course, we'll be with you all season and we'll probably modify our approach slightly as the season moves on, as we see how things are going. We're going to continue having guests, we're going to have Yoke Boy back potentially, uh, as much as... We might even have you every single episode. We're going to uh-huh. maybe Whoa. have... Whoa! Yeah, yeah, how uh-huh. would you like that? Uh, I would like it. I like cool. it. I
2: like, you know, I, I love History of Westeros. Uh, I know you've got some great fans. so I don't see why not. I like it. We're, yeah, we're going to bring your partner in crime, Lady Guinevar, in as well. Uh, I'm sure she
1: would like to put in Join weigh in. in on some of these issues. And so mm-hmm. we'll have an even bigger group, some more opinions, and more smart people getting involved. Mm-hmm. And... I'd like to say, you know, comparing the books to the show is fun, but it is a challenge. There's so many differences, and the farther the show goes along, the bigger these differences are. So it is a challenge, and we kind of rely on the community a bit. We, we come up with our own differences and our own catches, but you guys are, can help us out. Send us your thoughts. Send us things that you want to see us discuss. Send us, you know, anything you thought we missed or that we failed to address, there's plenty of things out there. You know, it's a wide open world. There's so many possibilities. So send us your thoughts. Twitter at, at uh, Westeros History. Westeros His, uh, History of Westeros on Facebook. History. Uh, I always forget what our email address is. Westeros History at yes. gmail.com. Or
0: you can just go to HistoryofWesteros.com and they're all linked right there.
1: That's right. It is, <laughs> a, it is a community endeavor, all these things. We're not just... We don't just do this on our own. We're really happy to have you all along with us in this uncharted journey, as we're calling it, as the books and show diverge. It's a big adventure, and it's a new experience. So we're even more, we're always open to suggestions and comments and feedback, but we're even more open to that than usual because of how open-ended all this is and how it's so unpredictable. So, very uh, we really encourage you all to leave comments and give feedback and to make suggestions and to talk about what plots you want to you want us to see us delve deeper into once again yes. thank you to yoke boy of radio westeros uh, go ahead and uh let everyone again remind everyone again how to find you and what to, what to look for
2: yeah i just want to say thanks for inviting me on and you know for for your listeners who haven't heard of us, then come and check out our podcast because it, it goes very well with History of Westeros. I think they complement each other well. I think if you like theirs, you, you're probably going to like ours. Radio Westeros, and that's at Uh Yeah, I've been Yoke Boy, and it's been a real honour to be here, so thanks. All right, yeah, you're welcome, and thank you for being you. here, and we look forward to having you
1: back. Um, now time for some credits. Uh, there's always great, there's a lot of great ways to support the show, if you go to historyofwesteros.com, everything on the right sidebar is a different way to help uh, make a make a difference. Help us make more episodes more often with higher quality. Our our latest Patreon. Milestone is very close. See, look at us abusing your. Look at that. See this cat uh-huh. here. How can you look at that and not feel sympathy? If that's, you're
0: listening, just picture if you're a really cute yeah.
1: cat. <laughs> 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 or, or go to our page. We'll put some pictures of these cats up. Oh yeah, that's, that's what we need. I mean, this uh-huh. is this is our real community support. These are the people that make it all worthwhile and that make make uh-huh. us what we are. Not just our cats, but. Hand of the King, Cash Craig, a.k.a. Vaxxis, on our forums. Our Warden of the North is Lord Parker, the Bastard of Starkville. Mm -hmm. The Wardens of the South, East, and North are currently unheld. Our borders are undefended, people. Help us out. (laughs) Our Master of Coin, however, is Lord Robert Jacobs. That's well taken care of. Our Master of Whisperers is Lord James the Scholar. Grand Maester Itai wears the jeweled collar of many medals. Rosie the Clever is our Master of Laws. Our Master of Ships is Lord James Tuttle, and a great job they all do. Yeah. Our History of Westeros Night's Watch Lord Commander is George the Golden, an exemplary Lord Commander. History of Westeros Kingsguard is commanded Mm. by Lord Commander Shepard. Lady Diarly's of Castle Nauki has been giving us a lot of great suggestions for our Book to Show podcast episodes and our support group episode that we're planning. She's given us a lot of great suggestions for that. So you'll be seeing those in the future. Once again, you can also support us through the amazon.com links Mm -hmm. on the side of the page there, as well as checking out the audible.com, uh, trial program, 30 days, is being given away for free through Audible. If you sign up through us on historyofwesteros.com, you can get a free download of any book with that, including the World of Ice and Fire on Audible. Or you could get the Game of Thrones. Check it out. See what what the uh, audiobooks are all about. I'm a huge fan of those myself. But in the meantime... Thanks, everyone, for listening. We're really excited to be going through Season 5 with you all. and thanks yeah, with, in advance with
0: you all and with Yoke Boy.
1: Yeah, and with Yoke Boy. And with any other guests. Yeah, it's been and awesome. for us next week. Thank you. Thanks to everybody. Valar Morgullis, Valar Cat Gullis. <laughs> and, as, of course, also, I'm glad... Of course, we're also very happy to have Shea back after a little layoff oh, yeah. there. I've
0: been very busy with papers and finals.
1: Yes. The real world sometimes interferes with the fantasy world, but it's, it's, <laughs> we're glad that you could... Get some of that done, so you could get back here. I'm sure a lot of people miss you. We had we had people threatening to not listen anymore if a Shannon didn't come back. Yeah, so here we go. We're all yeah, back I was together. Like, oh, I
0: better be in this episode.
1: <laughs> so your threats worked, folks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. See you next time. Valor Bye. <laughs>